and the masters of the universe. I am Adam, Prince of Eternia and defender of the secrets of Castle Grayskull. This is Cringer, <laughs> my fearless friend. Fabulous secret powers were revealed to me the day I held aloft my magic sword and said, By the power of Grayskull! became the mighty battle cat and I became He-Man the most powerful man in the universe <laughs> only three others share this secret our friends the sorceress men at arms and Orca we defend Castle Grayskull from the evil forces of Skeletor I his name was Adam uh, to the quarter to three movie podcast four four two. My name is Tom Chick, and I am here to discuss four two with you. No spoilers yet. Don't. It's not the whole title. Um, well, you know what? We'll consult with uh, Christian Molzinski about that, who is joining us. Actually, you guys can just refer to me as the intern. And with a uh, Thor two tagline, Kelly Wand sucked. What <laughs> sucked? Can you spell that? T H U C K apostrophe T. Kelly, one, did you have some grousing to do about a trailer that you saw? Wait, first off, yes. weren't Skeletor's forces comprised entirely of Merman and Beastman? Wait, is she a great big fat person? All right, what was the question? Oh, did you guys see the Sherman and Mr. Peabody trailer? Did not. Oh, God, I'm going to murder that fucking thing. All right, forget it then. Okay. <laughs> I was subjected to an R-rated trailer t- in a PG-13 movie. Wait, so you mean it had the red band in front of it? It's not a red band trailer. <laughs> but so no, yeah, the, there's a reason, an, Dingus, yeah. that there's a big big old green screen that says the following trailer has been approved for all audiences by the Motion Picture Association. It always says that, though. Right. Yeah, but I brought my eight-year-old to see this movie, and it was for an, and there was wait, a trailer wait, for an R-rated. So are you surprised that they're showing trailers for R-rated movies in front of PG-13 movies? How long have you been going to movies now? Ten minutes. <laughs> well, is this news to you? I constantly... I, yeah. Yeah, I constantly, when I see a trailer, I'm waiting, okay, I hope this is a rated R movie. Because, you know, PG-13 movies are almost invariably for kids. So I see a trailer for a movie I think I want to see, even though I don't usually watch them. And afterwards, I'm constantly, like, saying, please let it be R-rated, please let it be R-rated. Yeah, please that's all we have left. Right, exactly. Because most R-rated movies are for kids, even. Yeah. Um, no, no, I did not want to see that. I was, I was totally freaked out. What by was that. the trailer yeah. for? What, what, what was too intense for your son to handle a trailer right. for? There's hard R and soft R. Yeah. What, what did you see a trailer uh, for? It's for a movie called Homefront. Uh, oh, a Jason Statham thing, isn't Jason it? Jason Statham. It, yeah. You know, so it's like an no, action. Isn't there an actual? Although I seem to recall, isn't there an actual actor also in that movie with him? Well, it was written like by Dwayne an Johnson? actual actor named uh, Sylvester Stallone. Ah. Uh, oh. Wow. <laughs> right. James Franco. Is I didn't know he acted, too. Oh, director James Franco. From mm. the, the director of As I Lay Dying, adapted from the William Faulkner That's right. And it's, <laughs> it's written by also Chuck Logan, who wrote, I think, like uh, that guy in a shack that's about to be attacked by the federal agents movie. 
Blacksmith Jack about the <laughs> Ruby Ridge movie? Yeah, isn't that isn't he isn't Chuck Logan the Ruby Ridge dude? Uh, I, all I know is, wasn't there a Ruby Ridge movie with with uh, Dennis? No, Randy Quaid uh, playing. Who was the guy who was shot? I, or uh, whose wife and child were shot? What was his name? Kelly wanted to look this up for us while all right, I, think it's, I talk about trailers. I forgot what the question was, but I'm looking it up. Uh, well, let's uh, let's get to this week's movie, Dingus. What was it that we? Wait, wait, wait! You're yes. going to tell me about some blue crush. I think it was called the Standoff. I think it was the same writer, but I'm not sure. I'm, okay. I just remember reading the rated one. The R-rated one, yeah, Home Front. Standoff. But it freaked oh. me out. I didn't expect... What was the most R-rated thing. thing that happens in the preview? I don't know. I was too busy watching my son hold his ears closed. <laughs> so he told you what happened in the R-rated preview, and that's how parenting works these days. <laughs> Outrageous. That, and that's how a bill becomes a law. <sighs> Tom, you going to talk about Blue Crush 2 or you want to talk about Thor? What's your deal? I could. I watched Blue Crush 2. Why did it... Oh, Shawnee Vincent. Yeah, because Charney. Well, I didn't realize it's Charney Vincent plays the bad guy. Oh, she's the evil chick surfer. So, uh, for folks listening, we saw a, a smaller indie horror movie this year called Your Next. And one of the revelations in Your Next, which I think we all loved, uh, an actress named Charney Vincent uh, is Who in we it. All uh, love. Most of us know her from Step Up Three. Uh, I, I believe that's where she's most widely known. Um, but she's also in uh, Blue Crush Two, which I watched, thinking, I don't know if you guys know this. I thought it was about the girl, the surfer girl who got her arm bit off by a shark and kept surfing. <laughs> Isn't it? That wouldn't be blue. That is a crush, although it's technically more. Uh, well, I knew it's it was about surfers, so I got that part right. But I was watching it because I knew there was a Blue Crush one, and I thought it was a story of the girl who got her arm bit off and then kept surfing. Because I I'm pretty well, sure there was a movie about that. So in Blue Crush yeah, two, what is that called? That's Bethany. What's her name? Damn it! It's Kate Bosworth. Oh yeah, yeah, right. And that was that wasn't Blue Crush. Yeah. Well, it was. Oh, well, apparently in Blue Crush two, it's not because uh, I was like, well, how are you going to? I just knew Sharni Vincent was in it, so I'm like, okay, I'm going to watch Blue Crush. Uh, I kept waiting for someone to get her arm bitten off. That never happened. Uh, the lead actress, unfortunately, insufferably smug little blonde girl from Malibu who goes to South Africa and teaches. Uh, some white hippie kids, as well as a lot of black people, how to live, love, laugh, learn, embrace life, surf, that kind of thing. They don't know how to do it until we get there. Are you there, joking so. when you say you think that Blue Crush is about the girl Bethany who got her no, arm? No, no, I'm serious, because that's a true story, and there's a movie about it. Yeah, and I thought that, it was, that was, that's that uh, Dennis Quaid Christianist movie, like Soul Surfer or something. That's not, that's not Blue oh. Crush. Blue no. Crush is... Blue Crush is like a Jessica Biel movie or something. Well, Dingus is a, well the blue. Oz is the blue. Surf hold, on, hold on, I can clear this up. Into the Blue is a Paul Walker movie, as we all know. Uh, blue Crush is not about the girl who gets her arm bit off, I've found out, unless it just happens in the first Blue Crush. But Dingus, I think you're right. Soul Surfer does sound like a correct name. Does Sharni bite the arm off because she's the villain? <laughs> so Sharni is the villain, and they do nothing with her. Uh, mm. Like, she's in a couple of scenes, but you would get no inkling that she's this really... Because I liked her in Step Up 3 as well. Uh, and you get a sense that, hey, she's really <laughs> uh, but they don't really do anything with her in Blue Crush 2. Uh, you mainly have to deal with the insufferable Malibu Barbie chick. Uh, surf. What wouldn't I do with her? <laughs> so, Is it called Soul Surf? Do you guys remember? I, that does sound right, Dickens. I bet you're right. Um, and it was kind of a Christian movie, wasn't it? Soul Surfer. I, from this title, it does sound like it might be something that, say, Kirk Hamilton would endorse. Kirk Hamilton. Kirk Hamilton. Did I get his name wrong? What's Kirk Cameron. Good lord. It's Kirk Hamilton. Is that a person? Hamilton. He, he was he left behind. Hamilton. Did you hear that? Uh, I didn't. Better. You guys were talking over each other. I'm sure one of you. Talking about you awesome. too. 
Kirk Hamilton. Uh, at any rate, so yeah, Blue Crush 2, there are no sharks in it. Uh, if you want to see a shark movie, a, a beautiful actress fight a shark, uh, Halle, Halle Berry in, um, I forget the name of it, but you can That's... Google it. There's a movie where Halle Berry fights great white sharks. I love that you don't even remember the name of it after all that buildup. You want to see the good Halle Berry? For well, that? of course, well, you know, this, the real movie where a beautiful woman fights a shark is Deep, uh, Deep Blue Sea, right? Deep Blue but wait, there's not one where Halle Berry fights. Yeah, there is. She doesn't fight it, but she has to deal with it. Has to deal with it, but not through force. She just has to talk it down. <laughs> it's oh. more about her journey of discovery, and it happens to involve oh, an encounter with Malik. for at. Good. Uh, so All right. Anyway, that's uh, yeah. Speaking of speaking surfers, of blonde surfer types, Dingus, what did we see this uh, week? Well, see what he said. All right. Well, this week we saw Thor: colon, The Dark World. Huh. That was close. <laughs> the Stop's Ice Cubes review. The title. A 2013 American action adventure fantasy sci-fi superhero sequel franchise movie about a guy named Thor who must embark upon his most perilous and personal journey yet. <laughs> Two. That's what IMDb said, anyway. Um, uh, it was directed by Alan Taylor hmm. and written by Christopher Yost. Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely, story by Don Payne and Robert Rodant, based on comic books by Stan Lee, Larry Lieber, and Jack Kirby. It stars Chris Hemsworth, Natalie Portman, and Tom Hiddleston. Mm. Yes, Kelly Warren. I'm just sighing. I mean, I'm breathing. It's I'm breathing. Just and sorry. Jamie Alexander. Yes, Kelly Warren. <laughs> Wait, is that a uh, Darcy? Cat <laughs> Dennings, how dare you? God. Uh, all right. Dingus did not feel that Cat Dennings was in this movie enough to mention her name. I concur. Cat Dennings or Cat Dennings. Uh, it was uh, that's Sif. Sif. Anyway, Thor TDW. She's good. Yeah, she's good. TDW is rated PG thirteen for sequences of intense sci-fi action and violence, and some suggestive content. Cat uh, Dennings uh, dropped several s bombs. Does that Scars guards. She jump. dropped one S bomb, and then there was a there was a suggested S bomb, oh. and uh, I don't know what the suggestive content is, but I just love that there was some suggestive content. It was suggested that there was suggestive content. Mm-hmm. There's kissing. That's suggestive that something more is going to happen. Yeah, it's yeah. first days. There's also collectors. That, that could be suggestive. That <laughs> certainly suggested things to me. <laughs> the kiss is until after the post credits. Did you guys see it? We stayed for the entire thing. Did you see the little, uh, the little cute creature chasing the birds, Kelly Wand? Yeah, and no one stayed for it. And I told, like, they just tramped out instantly. They all thought they'd gotten. There were two buttons before that, so they thought, "Oh, I guess we we got what we're going to get. Let's let's get." They out didn't of here. see the kiss. All the all the girls who went to go, all right, took a shirt off one scene. I'm satisfied. Left and it's <laughs> the kiss scene. It's like fucking get out of let me out of this door movie. I know, and my dad was like, do, "Do they not know that that happens? That there's stuff after the credits?" I'm like, "They're pretty sure they it's know." Like, just, important. They don't care. Like the fruition of a two movie long romance. <laughs> I assume it was their first kiss. They kiss in the movie. They kiss in the movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. During their I, I don't like sand scene. I left after the opening credits, so I might have missed a few things. <laughs> Well, uh, let's see. Thor opened, of course, at number one. It was a Ugh. very big opening, eighty-six million dollars. Um, that's no, you know, it's oh, not even. That's a lot. 
Um, it's not even half of what Iron Man three made, but it's really it's, yeah. And it's opening weekend. Iron Man three is the uh, number two biggest opening movie of all time, behind only uh, the Avengers. Avengers is something like two hundred six million. Iron Man three was a hundred and seventy five million, something ridiculous. Um, so this. Uh, I, basically, the I think the thinking here is that Chris Hemsworth can't carry a box office like Robert Downey Jr. Thor doesn't resonate with people as much as Iron Man. Um, so, but that the, the Avengers feeds a lot into people being excited about Thor. So that's uh, you know part of the credit for this 86 million and uh, is laid at the, the feet of the Avengers. I think. Did you see the Captain America trailer? No. Why am I going to watch that? I, I actually want to see that one. Uh, I don't know. Okay, I saw it in the middle of this movie. <laughs> That's true. I got a little <laughs> teaser. Yeah. Uh, on Metacritic, which is the average rating from various reviews, Thor 2, a.k.a. Thor colon The Dark World, is at 54. Uh, yeah. Wait, that's the same as Ender's Game. Well, let's check Rotten Tomatoes, <laughs> Kelly Wand. Rotten Tomatoes, this is the percentage of reviews of Thor 2 that are positive. It is at 66%. Our lives are meaningless. Oh. This is what we're doing. Kelly Wand, I think you parsed that math very nicely. Oh. Uh, now, Kelly Wand, I would like you to spoil <coughs> Thor 2 for everyone listening by telling them what happens in the movie. What would you call such a thing? If I would call this a dark wropsis. Mm, it's pretty close. It's Thor the Dark Wapsis. Wapsis. Apologies to our Mediterranean listeners. <laughs> Thor the Dark Wapsis. Well, well Kelly Wan, if you're going to do this, I better get my pants. <laughs> I was either going to go with that or, Kelly Wan, I was going to go with, I like the way you explain things. <laughs> no, I oh, like that's going to be the thing I said at the end. Oh, well. <laughs> Sorry. That's right. I think better without my pants anyway. Okay, so Kelly Wan, with the Thor to Dark Wapsis, I would like you to unleash the ether. Thor the Dark Wapsis. Some words are all fuck what Orson Scott Card said about love. The only weapon you really need for interstellar combat is a strap-on hammer. Anthony Hopkins shambles glumly on screen, dragging a papier-mâché staff and sits on a throne of board games. A couple ravens perch on his shoulder pads. He's all, greetings, consumers with desirable demographics. I am Sir Anthony Hoskins, or as Tom calls me, the poor man's Dwayne Johnston. Some of you may remember me as the man with the mentally ill puppet in Magic, or from the Mad Max movie where he goes to sea. In this motion picture, I shall be portraying the manliest, awesomest deity ever, although the bulk of my scenes will consist of me grieving for Rene Russo and eventually being killed off screen by my adopted son's hologram. Just like in magic. But first, some backstory. At some point in the past, elves with lasers shot them at dwarves with beards because the universe had once been darker. And they missed that. Apparently, they don't like light, although it doesn't seem to hurt them and darkness kills us. Also, just FYI, elves have lasers and we're not really the Norse gods, we're aliens. Anyway, two of those beards belong to my father or grandfather, King Bor, with an E on the end. Also, forget what I said earlier. I think they were quarreling over some red CG, just like in both Abrams' Star Treks. And every non-black-and-white comic book movie ever produced. Deuce, deuce. <laughs> it was a spectacular three-second-long fight with no blood. Somehow we won, and then one of us was all, hey, should we throw this red CG into a black hole or something? But my ancestor was all, nah, let's just put it somewhere where no one will ever find it except Natalie Portman. 
So they did that. And now here's the actual movie. <laughs> this, tries they, to, this they now do. He tries to smile. One of the ravens pecks out his remaining eye. Odin's all, not again. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> this is a different guy. I am Maladroit. Black friend, eat this lava charcoal so that you may be slightly stronger. Okay, no, it's hot. <laughs> Meanwhile, Thor saves the dimension of Asian farmers by killing a talking boulder. Watching you break rocks with hammer, almost as exciting use of CG as watching Gary make flag bill a white man. Oh, God. Really? <laughs> it also reminded me that I'm in love with a new Mexican physicist. Is it true they sideways? No, Genghis, but I wish... Uh, so, Noodle Putman, here we are. That's the uh, bridesmaids guy. <laughs> hey, Natalie Portman, an Irish Canadian guy from Bridesmaids. It's me, Annie Potts. McCain- <laughs> Michael Kane told me exactly where you guys would be sitting. Just thought I'd stop by for a quick cock block. Not now, Annie. I told you to wait in the car till we're about to have sex. Okay, but I thought you might want to see the readings on this Geiger counter. Caltech says it's either a Norse god or two Hindu ones, but those Swedes with Viking hats on over there told me it's probably just a tectonic anomaly. Sorry, guy from Bridesmaids. My friend really wants me to get laid by someone handsomer. Thanks, though. Chook, please. Oh, by the way, Natalie, I hired this guy. Not sure for what yet. Oi, me name's Ian, but I prefer to be called Guy Holding Prop. Natalie, are you all right? According to these readings, you're possessed by Red CG. All right, miss. Step along now. Job's to tell you where you can't go. Officer, wouldn't it seem more convincing for you to react to the rain? Not raining on Natalie Portman or that Norse god? That's enough. Fucking shy gubna. Cheery up. Great. Natalie Portman moved away, and for some reason I can't move myself, so now I'm getting rained on again. <sighs> Natalie Portman. I believe you and I had sex two years ago, although for you it probably felt more like a Viking funeral. JK, according to our contracts to be in this sequel, we experienced a very powerful connection. Perhaps almost as intense as yours with Jake Lloyd and Hayden Christensen and George Lucas. I did not call you while I was in New York last year because I was fighting a rock monster five minutes ago. Come, we must hasten to Asgard. Hello, I'm the mother of the Norse god of thunder. My specialty is running CAT scans. Now please hold still while I push these CG buttons. Oh, is that a Schrodinger's cat box? No, it's a Norse energy dehumidifier that picks up FM. Yep, Schrodinger's cat box. I win. <laughs> I'm the smartest love interest ever. Physicist, huh? Father said if she dies, we shall feed her remains to the ravens. Oh, you told your father about me? We must hide this... We must hide the red CG somewhere no one will ever look, thus not inside you, Jane Alexander. How about we put on the portmanteau, JK, Thor's mom's all. Thor, it's me, Heimdall, guardian of the Rainbow Bridge, bulwark against Candyland. I just took out a spaceship with a javelin and my contact lenses, but they tricked me by having more than one ship. (laughs) Uh, This is Thor talking now. Okay, good. The CG shield around the palace is almost up. We're leaving the rest of Asgard to die. The gods all cheer and toast. 
uh, <clears throat> Natalie, it's me, Thor's mom again. Maladroit stabbed me, I'm dying. Run. Don't worry, I'm just a hologram, see? Hologram, wait, that means I just sacrificed my life for nothing. <laughs> Why couldn't it have been Kunis? The Black Dark Elf saw. Maladroit, we've won. Asgard is ours. Retreat! Father, perhaps we should avenge Mother's death. Nay, son of Zeus, we shall stay here until the invaders... <clears throat> we shall stay here until the invaders return and annihilate us. It is what your mother would have wanted. Uh, <clears throat> that's for you not calling me from New York, Loki. I haven't felt this turned on, so... <laughs> Sorry to care. I haven't felt this turned on by someone striking me since the Hulk. <laughs> glad it was clear who that was. That could have worked for either uh, Tom Hiddleston or Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, I was thinking of that. That's true. Well, obviously that was my Loki voice. Clearly. Hey, why is Walter Bishop not wearing any pants? He says it makes him easier. Oh, God, I can't work anything tonight. Fuck. Worst birthday ever. He says it makes it easier for him to trip over his balls. Ooh, me, the goof from Breedsmaids again. Just Teddy Hoochie being another dimension. So thought it'd pull you good and get hung up on again. <laughs> Father, we have won. Pointing box like gadgets at the CG was a cunning maneuver for which the elves had no answer. I know you're not dead yet, but I renounce your eventual offer to be king. I prefer to be fifth in command of the Avengers, behind Ant-Man, the Hulk, and Jocasta. <laughs> Plus, if I had sex with Natalie here, with Sif watching, it might be too much of a good thing. Farewell. Goodbye, my son. Ha-ha, <laughs> it's really me, Loki. <laughs> Did I kill Odin? Or did he make me king? Thor, you're back. I forgot my hammer. Goodbye, Papa. Yeah, thank you. Uh, okay, bye. Oh, God. My brother's the dumbest Norse god ever. Hello, tis I, Sif, and this other character with the beard and an axe that never cuts anything. You're Benicio del Toro, are you not? I prefer to be known as the Hoarder. We need you to watch this CG canister till the next movie. Any questions? No, so long. Thanks. Ah, I'm evil too, sucker. <laughs> again. <laughs> Sif, you're back. Got my bra. Goodbye. Uh, the end. <laughs> That's what happened in Thor, the Dark World. You're welcome. Verse. Oh, thank you, Kelly Wand. <clears throat> Sorry. I felt that one kind of... Well, I guess. It fits the movie in that it was kind of half-assed and phoned in. Wait a minute. You're saying the movie was half-assed and phoned in? I, would, I remember liking the first one, but I don't remember why I liked it. Mm, I can't help you there, because I didn't care for the first one. I'm the only one who liked it. I'm this, the only one who liked the first one. You guys no, I liked the first one, I think. Except that it was kind of... I don't know. Kelly Wand is claiming to have liked it, but to just not know why. Yeah. Okay. Good times. Uh, I didn't like it, and I know why. Um, <laughs> I think... <laughs> well, I'll go last. I liked the first one because I loved the chemistry between the two of them. You guys didn't see any of that. Two I of who? Remember. What? 
Two of who? Anthony Hopkins and Tom Hiddleston? No, Ken Dennings and uh, Natalie Portman. <laughs> okay, good enough. <laughs> uh, and Agent Coulson was no, there. I, I liked, in, I, well, of course, anything. Tom's favorite. I mean, Agent Coulson, I'll ask him to prom. But, but uh, uh, Dingus, you should then see a movie called The To-Do List with uh, Aubrey Plaza, because Agent Coulson plays her father in that movie. So okay, then get, let me put that. that on my um, things to watch thing. Very good. Um, but uh, but I but I liked I liked I liked what Chris Hemsworth and Natalie Portman were doing there, and, and you guys didn't. Um, I I really liked that first movie. I thought it was silly that it was this little New Mexico town that got decimated, and it's like okay, we're gonna have a movie set over here and do that. Uh, but I really really liked it. Uh, I liked that first movie. Okay, so fast forward a couple of years, Dingus. Now, how do you feel about Thor movies? I love them, <laughs> but the, here's the thing. I have a huge amount of goodwill for any of these movies because of the Avengers. I mean, it just piles on. Uh, one of the things that happened to us, or to happened to me, uh, was that I was so nervous about going into the Avengers. Uh, we thought it was just going to be this, uh, and this is something Tom said, going in, and I love this, th- that he said this, because I felt the same way, uh, that it was going to be this bulldozer pushing all these properties into this whole horrible morass of a movie, and Avengers turned out to be so freaking awesome. And because it's so great, it it has this radius of goodwill for me for movies like this. It's sort of reached back into Captain America, which I didn't really care for, but have since watched again a couple of times, and I like now. Um, Avengers is so good, it really radiates. Uh, but uh, it And it works for this. I just... I loved this movie. I I really, really loved it. Well, Kelly, one, you'll go last then, so I'll go next. Uh, so I, I think this is uh, – I, I hated this movie, and I, I think part of the problem is the the Avengers. Uh, it has none of what makes the Avengers good. And w- one of the things I really liked about Iron Man 3 is that it felt like Shane Black tackling one of the characters from the Avengers and acknowledging the source material, um, making the story about – Tony Stark's reaction to the Battle of New York and how he felt about his, you know, potential sacrifice at the end of that movie. Uh, I thought Shane Black really tapped into what made the Avengers good. He took a strand of it and he ran with it. And, and part of how he did that was he gave it his own voice. You know, it felt very much like Shane Black working well with what Robert Downey Jr. does. Robert Downey Jr.'s acting in that. Dingus, as you astutely noted, when we had the podcast, he did a great job of using humor to cut against this internal pain. There's a lot of great stuff going on there. I didn't see any of that in this Thor movie. Part of what kills it for me is, uh, I, you know, Thor himself, I find one of the least interesting superheroes. He's the most boring <laughs> Avenger. Uh, I, I feel not bad. <laughs> that sounds like a title, the most boring Avenger. <laughs> well, that might be his actual, that's what else is on his office door in the Avengers building. <laughs> Um, but I, I think Chris Hemsworth just can't I, – I, I get nothing from him. There's no heat between him and Natalie Portman. Everybody seemed to be phoning things in here. The few times that Tom Hiddleston seemed to be having fun were like a godsend to me because I get there it. was a little spark. Hey, very good. There was a little spark there from time to time. But I, I didn't get any sense of voice here. I didn't get any sense of style or perspective or I didn't care about the hero. I didn't think the actors were invested. Um, I, I would contrast – the presentation of, of Asgard, uh, you know, as a place, as a, as a mythology, as a location, 
it, it just seemed all like like a little Rivendell, a little Naboo, a little Coruscant, uh, a lot of CG. Uh, it, and I, it reminded me of the opening of Man of Steel, where at least I got this sense of a freaky world with weird sort of technology and bio things together. You know, at least Zack Snyder, say what you will about the guy, he's an imaginative fellow. And he, he created this, this, this new interpretation of Krypton, and it really riveted me in the early parts of Man of Steel. Here, with the space cells with their lasers and stuff, Oh, I was just rolling my eyes from the beginning. I just felt no sense of of place here. Um, so yeah, I, I hated this thing, Dingus. I'm, I'm sorry to say. Uh, let's get Kelly in here. All right, Kelly, give us your uh, thumbnail um, review. I'm kind of a Thor apologist because it was my first comic, and I was always really attracted. He was like an actual god who's still slummed by hanging out on Earth and killing shit, and he could fly with his hammer. And there was also a lot of cool story arcs in those series. There was like a false Ragnarok arc where like Odin triggers Ragnarok, and he gets his eye pecked out during it. And then it turns out like he all did it just so they wouldn't have to worry about Ragnarok anymore. And then Thor was like, that's fucking idiots then he goes back to earth and then there's like a good run by walt simonson with beta ray bill and there was this one called thor vikings where everyone in new york just just get wasted by these ghosts these viking ghosts and there's like a thing full of heads like a pole never mind who is beta ray bill because i, I play this game called marvel heroes and they're of course pushing with the release of thor they, they, they let you uh, have a playable loki and there's this whole new asgard level and you can download for the Thor character a Beta Ray Bill uh, character skin, and he looks like like a weird Egyptian dog or something. Yeah, he's like costume. a horse dog, but he got the hammer because he was worthy of it. So he he was Thor for a while. Where was Thor during this? Uh, it was part of that Walt Simonson. You should, those are really good ones. Uh, he was incapacitated for some reason. Okay, and there was like a temptress running around named Lorelai, who's like seducing everybody. So a, a dog horse subbed in for Thor. Yeah. Episodes. <laughs> Man, comic books. Okay. <laughs> All right. So no, it was good. A, have a, you have a weakness for, for Thor. It's a, yeah. It's a so, go ahead. So, so, I go in. So, I have what Dingus feels for the Avengers like. Like, it's like baseball where he'll like anything that ha- that's any that's Avengers related. Like, I, I kind of like anything Thor related. So, I think maybe that's why I like the first one. But in this, it's just fucking Hemsworth is just not Norse at all. And everything you said is so true. It's just fucking L shooting lasers. It's so boring. It's so generic. It's so vanilla. It's so random. It's so interchangeable with every other. It's such a, it's a lesser Thor. So what, one of the issues for me, and Dingus, I don't, I, I, I don't know if this bothered you, but let me just mention this. I kind of had a hard time following what was going on and who was doing what to whom. It seemed like this movie skated on a veneer of uh, techno babble for one part, a lot of techno babble. I love some of the techno babble; it was my favorite. Uh, spatial extrusions, <laughs> quite like that. Uh, so there was a, there was a lot of techno babble. A lot of space. Space is fine. Yeah, right. Uh, phase meter. They had a phase meter. What was the? What were the little spear things that the intern threw? What were those called? Do we remember? They were graviton spikes. Yeah. So there's a lot of techno babble here. But then even the plotting, like why people are doing what they're doing. They have that bit where they cut back and forth between Thor plotting at the table with everyone oh, and them editing. actually doing. Oh, I love that. How can you not love that editing? Because I didn't know what was going on. I was like, wait, what? Thor, that they're, editing they're... is so great. It's such a great thing. The, him plotting it out and showing how it's going. I love that editing. How can you not love that? 
Well, the editing, I didn't, I mean, I'm talking more about just as far as what's going on. The editing, that whole thing where you've got someone doing a plan and then we cut to bits of the plan going. Like, we've seen that before and it's a cool conceit. Yeah, I'm with you. Ocean's 11. Right. It's very, well, it's a very heist movie. But here's the thing. I didn't understand this heist. I didn't understand what was going on or why they were taking Natalie Portman to Christopher Eccleston. By the way, real quick tangent. If you're going to freaking cast Christopher Eccleston, (laughs) don't throw all that freaking makeup on him. And even if you are going to throw all that makeup on him, don't make him speak freaking Klingon for the entire movie. What, what a waste of a fantastic actor. So that bugged me. Um, <laughs> Can we speak English now? Oh, God. But it, so I, I didn't understand what was going on there. And, and a lot of times that undercut for me any sense of stakes. Like who, why are they doing this? So, but you were okay with that, Dingus. Like that, uh, the, the sort of the, the plotting of the who's and why's and wherefores and motivations. Yeah, yeah. I was okay. I, okay. I mean, there were there were times I got confused about why, what was going on with the ether and all that kind of stuff, but it didn't bother me at all. Because what about when he goes, when Loki goes, ah, you shouldn't have trusted me, and stabs him, but then it turns out that they're yeah, well. That's obvious that they're that that's part of their like. Why would he say that? And the music would tell to us to trick the audience. What? How come we're not all right? <laughs> But the elves can't hear him say that. Right. Uh, it's so that Natalie right. Portman doesn't give it away because right. she doesn't have a good poker face. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> but that's an example, Kelly Wand. There. I mean, that was obviously a little misdirection for the audience. Like, oh, do we trust him? Do we not trust him? Oh. Uh, and I, I think it's pretty clear that, you know, Loki's not going to be the villain here. We've got our Christopher Eccleston in makeup speaking Klingon as our villain. We don't need Loki to be the villain. Um, but that's an example. Is what You know, the plotting. What? Why did they do that? What? I, here's the th- I, some movies I'm okay with not being rules based, but I was so lost. Like, why does uh, that when when uh, Adebisi or, or Mr. Echo from Lost? I don't know if you guys know that that's who's what was underneath all that uh, makeup there. When he throws that giant rock at Thor, and Thor then has two little scratches on his forehead and one on his cheek. I thought, and maybe I'm wrong. I thought they were like immortal or couldn't be killed. Like, I, I wasn't They're clear. They're not immortal, and they make he that says clear that early on. He's like, it's just <clears throat> five thousand, five thousand years, give or take. No, no, but when they're okay, then why can Hulk? Uh, bang around uh, Loki like he did in that scene in Avengers, and Loki doesn't get hurt. Like, what? What's the invulnerability? His gamma rays trump omnipotence. Loki does get hurt, but he just recover. It takes a longer time to recover. I mean, there's there's some there's some elasticity here. Come on, just well, that's about. Yeah, so when they're fighting battles and hitting each other with hammers, like. So if if a giant throws a rock on Thor, you know, that's the size of a bus, it scratches him. So Thor can be bloodied? Why Only the rock's it... made of Asgard, I... <laughs> but then did it hurt Thor when, when Hulk punched him after that fight? I, no, here, that's what that's... I... <clears throat> so he's not up. invulnerable, obviously. Well, no, if it's he, no. doing, then you don't feel the pain. But if it's an enemy throwing a rock, you feel the pain. Well, that's, that's part of the... That... The wonderful, I mean, you kind of get that feeling when Loki drops him in the Hulk cage in the Avengers. He's like, you know, right? They, they, they think we're immortal. Let's test this. I mean, they don't really know, and that's what's wonderful. They they haven't gone up against the they haven't gone up against every type of adversary they're going to go up against. So when Loki drops Thor out of the right. Hilo ship, he's like. We'll see if you can survive. I don't know. Let's let's test it. 
Huh. Well, as an audience member, I kind of feel it's important that I understand whether or not he's in peril or what the stakes are. What about – that Well, was that's ever, what they it, don't know either, and that's kind of what's wonderful about it. They don't know. They, they think they're – I mean, we they're, – they're called gods, uh, but, you know, Odin says we're not gods. We, we're just – you know, there's 5,000 years, give or take, here and there, but maybe we are. We don't know. We don't know what the give or take is. And we know that somebody's going to die, somebody's not going to okay, die. Okay, but that's about lifespans, though, and not about, you know, is this Superman-style combat where Superman and Zod are just punching each other to no effect for 30 minutes? Or that's can cool. somebody, you know, for instance, uh, Loki gets pierced through the, the chest and dies from a, a sword. Can that happen to Thor? I guess so. I never knew that could happen to Thor. He wouldn't say that God's line unless there were real gods, too, because he wouldn't know what he was saying. Well, I don't think they know either, and I think that's well, helpful about what it. What about Natalie Portman's a mortal woman, but she can she's fine as a vessel for this stuff that can destroy the universe that the bad guy can barely contain. And that again, well, I, no, I you know I, I kind of love that you know I I mean well, I her though because I'm sorry what found because she's the female lead in the movie Kelly Wand. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's a comic book. I feel silly. Well, let me just address real quick. You know, Tom had said something about the way the movie looks early on, mm-hmm. um, and and I just have to say that I am I am just crazy about this movie's production design and art direction. I think it I think it looks great, uh, and I know that you said that you didn't really care for it, um, but that that moment where we go into Heimdall's uh, sphere of Bridge management, whatever that is. <laughs> where, Who's where Heimdall? Is Heimdall Idris Elba? Yes. yes. Okay. That I think that is so beautiful, and that and then and then you get to the book that sort of has the shimmering movements in the in that book of legend or whatever that thing is. I think the production design and the art direction in this movie are fantastic. I think it looks great, and uh, you know when you watch the first movie, so much of it is just in darkness at the beginning because of the frost. It's just frost giant world. And so dark. Um, but I, I love the brightness of this movie. I love that. I love the way Asgard looks. I love those columns that they're joking about. I love the, the spaceships and those knife ships that fly through. I love the design of this movie. I think it looks beautiful. Uh, I, I will grant you that dingus on two points. Uh, I liked Natalie Portman's Ether Dream, which looked like something from a vampire movie in the 70s or like something from Phantasm. Like there's one moment where I was like, oh, that looks cool. Uh, I also really liked, even though I – dopey elves. Uh, I really liked their scary elf masks with those round eyes. I liked those. Kelly, Wan, are you with me on those scary elf masks? Uh, I wasn't watching. I was just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how about – so, Dingus, did its sense of humor work for you? Uh, it absolutely did, and you and I have to I have to address Chris, Chris Hemsworth for you guys with you guys because I he, I was really down on him when we saw the Avengers. I thought he was the weak link. I mean, you watch him in it, and he, he's like flailing his arms around, and you know Robert Down, Mark Ruffalo are flirting with each other, and they're like, look at this guy over there. Um, but I think he's come a long way. I think he he does fine in this, and I loved the humor in this movie. I thought it was. I thought it was really funny in the right places. I thought it was well balanced. Yeah, because I don't. I can think of very few of the jokes that worked for me. They always seemed 
Um, it, it seemed like the movie obvious. many times, exactly. They were obvious. They tried, they, they often undercut like serious moments or what could have been like a good action. They were, they were trying to undercut for me any sense of stakes or tension with an easy joke. Um, and, and a lot of it was like you said, Kelly Wand, obvious, like basic sarcasm. Um, yeah. you know, when, when Loki is, is talking to Thor while he's trying to fly the, the starship, Thor has a line. Thank you for the commentary. It's not at all distracting. That's the movie's idea of a joke. Which I, I was like, what? You're, yeah. you're just saying an obvious thing. Like when Garrett wets his face and Trunk goes, that's a big door when the door. Right. <laughs> that kind of thing. Uh, <laughs> and, and furthermore, like, I, I didn't feel that. that uh, well, I don't know. I, I just, yeah, I didn't. Even even Tom Hiddleston, like some of the things. I adore him as an actor. He's a fantastic actor. And I loved that he was trying, but I didn't think anybody else was really trying that hard or really invested in the material. Kat Denning, for instance. Uh, just doing her kind of sh- shtick. Um, I, I, Natalie Portman was so incredibly flat for me. Um, yes. So, um, I don't even get it. It was, it, it was similar to that Google movie where I wasn't even quite sure what some of the jokes were. Like when she's having lunch with Chris O'Dowd. Right. I at the beginning. Me and Dingus will help you with this. What joke do you not understand? We'll help you. Dinner, wasn't it? Dinner? Was it dinner? I think it was lunch. Dinner would be later, Dingus. So that dinner, Chris O'Dowd was calling from another dimension to escalate the next date to dinner. Ah, good. So they were at lunch. So go ahead, Kelly. What joke can we help you with? Uh, well, was she enjoying that day or not enjoying that day? She was hiding behind a menu for ten minutes. See how funny that is. Sea bass. Sea bass. Sea bass. Sea bass. So why'd she go on the date? <laughs> what the fuck? I, is she an idiot? She's a physicist. Like, Kelly, one, she's trying to get over Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. Come on, he's you been away, for, he's been away for two years. She's so she hasn't had sex in two years, and he's been banging Sif for at least nine months. Well, hell. Yeah, we don't know. So she can't get any other guys. <laughs> so what yeah, jokes do you get? Kelly Wan, she's a homely physicist. Natalie Portman... Oh, you told your dad about me? Like, everything she says is dumb. Like, she's not... It's not dumb. That's cute. It's a cute moment. Meet you, Kelly Wan, except after they've met. But she says, you told your dad about me. And when she meets the mom and she's awkward with the mom. I mean, there's... So, Dingus, let me... Because here's an example that if you thought... I mean, if that's cool if you like the So You Told Your Dad About Me. But for me, it's a perfect example of undercutting... That line comes after Thor says something about my father says your body can't contain the ether. Yeah. Where they're going to introduce like the peril there, and they decide yeah. to instead of run with that to undercut it with an easy joke. Oh, you told your dad about me, and I agree. In a certain movie, that would totally work. But in this movie, rather than making me think Natalie Portman is in danger, it makes she's an idiot. Oh, they're going for an easy joke, and yeah, and, oh, she's a physicist, not worried about it. And she wouldn't say that. Why would she say that? Right, that. Except to make us go, ha, ah, that's cute. So yeah, so I can agree with you, Dingus, that it's cute, but for me, it just felt like a, an example of how, rather than trying to introduce stakes, they just undercut them. Uh, and that was one of the problems I had with the movie, and its humor. I know how to draw right women, because it's like in Man of Steel, remember where Lois Lane goes, oh, what if I got a tinkle? And it's like the scene after oh, she was like busting balls in the snow with some other dude. And to then, be so- fair, though, to Thor 2, there was nothing quite that bad as poor Amy Adams having to announce that she has to tinkle. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's the same there. It's like, I don't know what I'm supposed to think from right, that. Right. Like, like, I guess, like, it worked on Diggis, and we're supposed to think with Dingus that was just like, oh, it's all his dad about me. But I'm still, I can't stop them. No, it's like, not awesome. She's, she's it's, not a re- good reporter. She's not a good scientist. She's a fucking dumbass. I think it's, I think she's in the middle of this bizarre 
mind-bending moment, and I have no problem with her saying that because she's not an idiot. I, I mean, I have no problem mm-hmm. with her saying it like that. I mean, she, she's in the middle of this. I hate when the friend character, like your Darcy, is like, oh, "I'm going to get my friend laid. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to bust out her date and go up running a Geiger counter because she has to have sex with the door Scott. Like, why are her, like?" Never mind. Like, why is it the friend? Well, part of the, part of the wonderful thing is hearing Odin say her name. Because one of the things I always hated is her name. I hate her name. What is her name? Uh, Jane. I, I Jane. Just, Jane. Stuff. Wait, you like that? Is that you, you like no. when Odin said it? I like the fact. I like the idea of Odin, who has to say all of these weird names, has to say the word Jane. I love that. I, I love it. I love yeah. I love hearing Anthony Hopkins, who all of a sudden has to go, no, you didn't do that! He just all of a sudden yells <laughs> He's like, I don't know what to do with this line, but now I'm going to yell it! Um, is that him talking to her? I love, I love Odin. Odin, who has to say the names like Malekith and Thor and Loki and Volstagg and Hogan or whoever. Hogan? I love... Uh, yeah, Hogan. Yeah, With a U. That's Tadanobu Asana. Oh, the, the the bird. Oh, oh no, I thought uh, I thought well one of the birds one of the again, one of the, oh. right exactly. But I love that I love all these 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 proper things he has to say and then he has to he has to deign to to stoop to say the word Jane. Jane. And, and Jane. I love Jane. I love hearing him have to having to say the word Jane and having to compare her to like having a goat at a banquet table and then her sort of got. <laughs> Sort of going, oh, you you told him about me. I mean, it's just it's the sweet moment, and she's been waiting for two years to get here, and she gets here, and she finds out, oh, well, Thor's been talking about me. I mean, th- there's something sweet about that, and I like that they blend that in. I have no problem with the balance of that at all in this movie. Thing is, how do you feel about the fact that he was in New York and he didn't call her or visit her? Yeah. Well, you know, he was or fly to her. He was on a double date with Captain America at the time. And Hulk. So now, Dingus, I'm not going to let you slide because you were the one who didn't, uh, who would not, who could not accept that an Iron I Man knew, three, knew that Captain was, America uh, would not come help Iron Man three. Yeah, in a Wolverine. No, I knew Wolverine was going to come up. I knew it. Well, so did did that bother you here? Because I'm, I think Kelly Wan and I are okay with that sort of segmentization, but wait, you know, they they reference it. So, I, did any of that? stick out for you here that that Greenwich is under attack by alien spaceships Iron Man 3 Captain America Nick Fury uh, Black Widow all those people nowhere to be seen you were okay with that no I'm not okay with that okay but, fair enough but I'm, I'm more okay with it than I was in Wolverine okay and and part of it is that uh, the way that uh, Thor the Dark World segments it or or structures that is that we're gonna we're gonna plop down on earth for the very last part of the movie and we're gonna wreck everything and it, and it feels like one big action set piece and nobody can get there in time fine um <laughs> but yeah. but i still feel like at some point one of those dudes should show up uh, i don't like that I don't like it at all, and I'm not going to excuse it in this movie any more than I would excuse it in Wolverine 3. Well, I but would excuse I it think this movie is so much more uh, more well-made than those, then I'm fine with it. Wait, you think this movie is better made than Wolverine? And Iron oh, Man of course. I did not Iron like Wolverine. Uh, and Iron no, Man 3? Well, no, I liked, Iver- I, I liked Iron Man 3 okay. a lot. Uh, uh, but 
still, I, I don't, I don't understand why none of these guys are helping each other out, or, he, or there's no communication. They're doing other adventures. It's always fine, but but in Avengers, they're all calling on each other, and there's communication. And I, you know, why wouldn't Thor go, "Hey, dude, come help me out." Well, I can't. Fine. He's not a pussy. There's, there's no communication whatsoever. It's like none of them exist in the other universe other than a silly cameo during a, hey, let's hide behind a column and do a little shape-shifting goofball stuff. I mean, I don't, I don't like that. I don't understand it. I don't understand why <laughs> in, in this movie there's no communication with the other Avengers to say, dudes, we had New York. We've referenced it in this very movie. Why? Why is he that's like saying why does Indiana Jones call his dad a Raiders and why no, does no, it James like Bond call? It's not like that at all. Why it's, isn't Thor calling on his fellow Avengers to say we've got a global problem here? Hey guys, come on over and help me. Oh, you can't because you're busy under the sea, like reconfiguring stuff. Whatever. There's, there's, <laughs> There's no communication. There's I love no, where that went. It's love like it. we're, we're just pretending that movie doesn't exist, and I don't like that. Kelly Wand, when, when uh, Zack Snyder does his Batman and Superman movie, it's going to ruin the universes of Batman and Superman. Yeah. Like, why does he call the Marvel right. Superman? So you tell me, why why is there no communication? I, I, I can tell you. I can totally tell you. I'll tell you the same thing I told you in our Iron Man 3 uh, conversation. It's because this was not a movie that allowed the – presence beyond a cameo of Chris Evans, Robert Downey Jr., Jeremy Renner, Scarlett Johansson, and, and uh, Clark Gregg. Uh, that's exactly why. See, I could even buy it as a story, as for story reasons. Like, just I'm not going to call friends. Story reasons. Why? And in every that's another thing too, Ding. It's in every comic book. They don't have to explain why if there's been yeah. a crossover in the past. They don't then in every comic book thereafter spend pages going. By the way, the reason Rocket Raccoon didn't help out with Medusa was. <laughs> But he was I'm busy Thor, configuring Thor. things at the bottom of the ocean. But if I'm Thor, the last thing I did on Earth was, was have this awesome conflagration with all these guys, and I land on Earth again, I'm going to be like, dudes, help me out. And there's none of that. Why you not? Know what? You're right. You're right. Dingo, oh. you're right. What? Or Dark World is, is, is an awful movie for it. So there. You just won me over. Dingo, <laughs> wait. It's just elves with lasers? It just doesn't they, make any sense. That? That, that, that element doesn't make any sense, but I'll overlook it. Fine. Because you guys constantly argue that, oh, that doesn't matter. That Fine. <laughs> I, I'll overlook it, but it doesn't make any sense. Now, what it is, Dingus, is at this point, ancient evils have been awakening so often that it gets yeah. a little bit much. And, you know, they've Dude, I just looked out the, yeah, I was in London for the fantastic. They, they can't all. Yeah, exactly. They've, they're ancient evils always waking up and having to be. I love interest is stuck in a block of ice. I'll explain later. Like it's <laughs> they got their own shit. Uh, Dingus, how did you feel about uh, the action sequences here? Because I, I was pretty much not really into them. There was a lot of like inconsistency that I didn't get. A little way too much CG. It helped. It didn't help that I didn't like the space elves that much. Um, so yeah. a lot of this action was just kind of it just washed over me. It didn't really. It didn't seem very threatening. Yeah. Well, and plus the whole thing about stakes. Um, but Dingus, did did some of the action stuff work for you? Uh, I hate it when a movie does the twister thing where we're we're just going to have a huge whirlwind of darkness and you're not going to be able to see what's going on. So I wasn't crazy about that. But uh, what about like uh, – okay, so here's something that bothered me. Uh, they use those little black hole grenades uh, as a – you know, it, it's the weakness that kills um, Adebisi, you know, the, his uh, his black sidekick guy. Uh, 
but the, it happens at a range. Really, they're really close when right. it picks them up. Whereas previously, in, in the, I think the same sequence, one had gone off near Tom Hiddleston and almost sucked him in. Uh, so I just felt like all of this goofy doodad and hardware stuff. Uh, you know, Loki's little dagger can fake cut off a hand. I, so I didn't. I didn't like any of the action and some of the inconsistency with the hardware. I think. By the way, the elves had a rocket launcher, not just lasers, Kelly Wand. I don't yeah. know if you noticed that. They got a rocket launcher. Um, I had hopes when it was the when the worlds lined up, and then Thor gets his hammer stuck in another dimension, and he has to wait for it to come back. And I go, oh, that's kind of interesting. I I did like that as well. Oh, but yeah. then you know, well the problem the problem with that is, and I don't have any problem with those grenade things. Uh, the the problem with what you're talking about, Tom, is sort of similar to the screenwriter's crutch of of uh, time travel. It's that if, if you have a dude who can uh, make an illusion of anything, that it, it's kind of a crutch for anything. So when, when Tom Hiddleston, when, uh, when Loki cuts off his hand, when Loki does anything, you can constantly wonder, well, is it an illusion or not? I mean, then the screenwriter can constantly write himself out of the problem. So when it looks like Loki has been sucked in by the grenade, well, it might just be one of his avatars. So it could have been Thor saved an avatar on accident instead of yeah. Loki. <laughs> well, well, that's got to be constantly what's going on because we think Loki died, but then Loki said life. Oh my god, and that exactly. Uh, so Dingus, yeah. tell me that didn't drive you batty. What the freak were they? What the hell was he getting at? Oh my god. I mean, what I knew of course they're not going to kill Tom Hiddleston, but well, wait. of course not. He's the best thing about the movie. Right, right. So I knew that was going to happen. But what's this? So he's deposed Odin now. What? How? For how well, long? Who knows? Well, that, that's kind oh, of what's Lord. great about these movies. That's, I was, uh, mm. that, that's what's great about these movies, Dingus being jerked around narratively like that. Ugh. They're just retcon it too. Like, yeah, yeah exactly. we decided something better, and then that'll wind up not meaning anything. Anyway. <laughs> so, Dingus, are you then saying it is part of what's being suggested there that? Odin has been deployed, has been. So he's even more Loki incompetent than we been thought. has stood in for o- Odin well, for not? other parts in the movie? Is that why what you In the first movie, he why was not? going to kill his father. Why, well, I mean, no, clearly. Why not? Loki why not? Because that introduces. And Matro- so because that's the sort of thing that I would trust in a very carefully made movie, or then I might want to go back and watch. Like The Thing, for instance. The Thing is constantly about watching it and deciding and, and, and sort of parsing, okay, who's been thinged, who hasn't, what are his motivations yeah. here? Am I supposed to go back? Because I, I maintain this is not the case. The movie is not that carefully made. But are you saying that if I go back and watch Thor 2... All the setups will be there. Right, that there's some intentional point where Loki then subs himself in for Odin. And when we see Anthony Hopkins on screen, it's really Loki? Well, that's the problem. You've got Loki. Loki's the god of chaos and mischief. He can do any of this. That's, that's the <laughs> problem. Not having this, this character. He can be any character he wants. Right, but so that's what, what his mom has... You know, I understand that's what the Rene Russo's character is imparted to him. I, I understand the fiction, but let's talk about Alan Taylor's movie. Are you saying at some point in Alan Taylor's movie, Anthony Hopkins is no longer Anthony Hopkins, but well, Odin is no longer Odin, but is Loki posing as Odin, or it's just it's Loki I think thing is, my what I think, and I, if I'm wrong about this, I'd love to know. But I think it was just they were they just sort of threw that on at the end, thinking, oh, this will be cute. That they they did that thoughtlessly. That's sort of how like it felt. Freddy versus Jason Wink. Oh, well, 
Well, perhaps that's true because we know Loki's going to come back later on, so they just preempted it by doing it at the very end there. I mean, it was an emotional moment for me. I, I mean, I know you, <laughs> you, you, check, you can laugh at me if you want, but that, that uh, Odin, Odin's speech, the back and forth of, I can't say this, but... Oh, I right, right, exactly. So that was Loki right there. So that was not Anthony Hopkins having that conversation with his son. Well, uh, Loki... Well, no, no, I think that's clear. You're right. You're clear in the movie. That was not yeah. Anthony Hopkins. I mean, that's what happens when at the end of the scene he turns into Loki. I hadn't even thought of that. So none of that was authentic or real. Or no, no, no. It, it, whether or not it's authentic or real is not the issue. It might very well be Loki's authentic emotions because I think there's a lot of authentic authenticity, but he's the god of mischief and chaos. So his emotions right. are unreliable. No, no, but that so was he not- might very well feel for his brother in that in that moment, but he also might crave the throne. I understand that, but what we got there was not Odin offering the kingship to his son, because Odin wasn't... Yeah, what would have happened if Thor had taken it? Yeah, exactly. That's my question. <laughs> and when the real Odin... He's like, wait, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't sign yeah. it. Well, for, for, says, for Loki, it's a choose-your-own-adventure book. He doesn't care. He's going to go with whatever happens, because he's the god of mischief. He doesn't care. He wants to play, and he will get the most power he's going to get by however means. I mean, that's what's wonderful about him as a character. <laughs> okay. Um, hmm. I think the emotion that Dingus had is something I, I found elusive because I wasn't sure how I was supposed to feel about what I was watching. Like, did look, oh, I, he had a look on his face like, oh, that's sweet. Thor said I died with honor. Ah, fucked him over. Like, what's he thinking? <laughs> Well, I, I, I think part of what's going on here, too, is that the only – well, Dingus would disagree with this, but my perspective is the only actor who was really rising to the occasion was Tom Hiddleston. Yeah. Uh, As usual. Uh, well, I, I, you know, I think Chris Hemsworth was trying, and I think he's gotten a lot. Uh, yeah, I can't go I into there. I mean, I agree he was trying. I definitely agree he was trying, but I, I did not see any of it. Uh, he doesn't look Norse to me. He just seems surfery. Who cares if he looks Norse? Good Lord, he's trying. He, I mean, I, I was really critical of him in the Avengers, but I, I saw him trying in this. He was doing better. I mean. I, the but guy's growing into the part, and I like that. Hmm. He's, He's grown into the part. How can you not appreciate that? How can you not appreciate? Well, I, you, I'd, they could instead cast someone who's good. I don't know. I mean, you, you would have to go back ten years then, or however long. What was last Thor? Just conveniently kill him and have the new Billy Ray Thor. What, what was that horse dog thing, Kelly? Wong? Oh, well, they did. Oh. They did have a new guy. Oh, God, who was the new guy in the? In this movie, one of the one of his merry men is is not the same. The guy. Robin Hood guy wasn't the same one. Yeah, the Robin Hood guy was, right. was a different dude. And again, Zachary, Zachary Levi instead of jeez, uh, I can't remember. Oh, I didn't know they replaced him. Okay. Boy, how about that love triangle with Sif? They had That's to. Really well represented. <laughs> wow, talk about making the Hunger Games look. <laughs> Sif gets two seeds, and one of them is help is helping her. Never mind. It's fucking lame. Uh, okay, let's see. What else? Uh, how did you feel about Thor wearing a shawl? You guys were okay with that? On his what? His shoulders, of course. Oh. Pants. Wow. Somebody likes... I thought I was. 
Uh, let's do a three by three. Yes. Uh, all right. So, uh, Dingus, big Thor fan. Kelly wanted yeah. I six and led this time. He tried. He did try. Proudly. I, is there any time though you see an actor other than Harrison Ford not try in a role? See what I did there. Um, There's been a couple of Dwayne Johnson moments where I thought, God, he's just not even trying. Dwayne There's Johnson like, never doesn't try, and you know that, Dingus. I know that you know that. Die Hard 5, Bruce Willis, not trying. That's 6. Jai, uh, Jai Courtney, and also in Die Hard 5, not trying. Uh, you know, by the way, who would I, I think would make a good Thor is uh, Dwayne Johnson. Okay. He'd be better. Yeah, because Kelly loves how Norse he looks. <laughs> Well, yeah. Well, the, Marvel has a thing about always casting against the natural hair color of <laughs> of Constantine. Uh, so I, I want to invent a word. Uh, so at the end, Thor's laying there on the the Greenwich Mean line or whatever that is, and he almost Take gets the next three stops. Uh, he almost gets theroned, and that's what it's called when at the end of a movie a spaceship falls on you. Oh. Wait, why is it called that? Uh, what does Charlize have to do? Ah, uh, very well done. Okay. Oh, I see. I get it. You, yeah, you call it good. donutting. Yeah. <laughs> no, you I like to call it getting throned. If it's Even in, at least in Prometheus, you actually saw the ship, but in Thor, well, it's it on screen. That is true. That yeah. Well, then they pull away when it gets jumpered to another planet. Um, Ugh, jumper. Jumpered. Ouch. That was. Ow. Kelly, how do you feel about jumpered? Uh, uh, it was my Hemsworth. Of my products, probably. Speaking of jumper, what's this week's three by three, Dingus? Uh, this week's three by three is uh, vomiting, barfing, vomiting. <laughs> Go ahead, throwing up. Your favorite throwing ups in movies? Yakking, calling Ralph, right. hurling, hurling. Doing. Kelly, want, you are doing next week's three by. You're introducing next week's three by three for us. So why don't you start us off this week with your number three pick for hurling the movie? Ten bucks says a listener picks Drag Me to Hell. My number three is uh, from the film Zapped, in which uh, Scott Baio is uh, force-fed sleeping pills by his mom and an exorcist. So he uses telekinesis to throw up the sleeping pills across the kitchen into the sink. And then it makes a noise when he does it, because whenever he uses telekinesis, you hear like this... Like six million dollar man kind of thing. So it was doing that when he vomits. So it's like telekinetic vomit, and then it's like I'm convinced, Kelly Wan, that the actual act of watching Zapped will never be as good as listening to you talk about it. <laughs> I feel like I've spoiled the whole movie, which is and why I'll never see it. And we thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, my number three pick for yakking in a movie. Uh, I had to. I, so this is going way back. It's an early John Frankenheimer movie. Uh, and it's a cop movie about a uh, – it's, for all I know, it's probably from a series of novels. Um, Don Johnson plays a cop named – I don't know his name, but he's a he's a hard-drinking, hard-living cop. He's divorced. Uh, you know, He's about to get evicted from his apartment. He's down on his luck. Um, and this, this particular case takes place on, on Christmas Day, uh, and he's been drinking the night before. And he goes to, to look for a murder suspect. You know, Don Johnson is the detective on Christmas Day, and he gets involved in a foot chase. Uh, early John Frankenheimer movie named Dead Bang. Dead Bang, yeah. By the way, yeah, if you look if you look this up online, you uh, try make sure to do it with Google Safe Search on. Uh, and uh, so he has this foot chase. 
And while and Don doing- Johnson's name also. <laughs> and and Ted Bang Johnson. And while they're doing the foot chase, obviously it's, a, it's an extended foot chase. Don Johnson has been drinking a lot the night before. He's he's not really up for running like this on this particular day. It's in L.A. They've made it clear earlier in the in the movie that it's a hot day. He finally catches the guy and knocks him out. And he's turning him over and he's checking his wallet to check the guy's ID. And he yaks on him. He throws up after a chase scene, and they do the thing where he throws up, and then he puts his mouth up in front of his mouth, and he even throws up more through his hand Uh, (laughs) all over the dude. And so the dude wakes up. The cops come to arrest him, and he's like, you puked all over me. Why don't don't you just take a shit on me while you're at it? (laughs) Done and done. Uh, and so I, it's just an unlikely place to, to have this hardened cop after a foot chase vomit on the suspect. Um, Don's not related to Dwayne, right? Uh, that I know of, but really Dwayne Johnson is a brother to us all, Kelly Wand. Mm, of another mother. A Norse brother. Did, no. uh, oh, yes. That's not like an early Frankenheimer compared to Manchurian Candidate. No, it's, it's middle Frankenheimer. Middle Frankenheimer. Well, I guess you're right. Venturian Cannon is Frankenheimer. Wow. Well, it's yeah. a, it's real made-for-TV-ish. And it's even Lorimar, which is the studio that did all these made-for-TV ABC movies. Um, yeah, it was real VHS time. Yeah, yeah, Dallas. It's the sort of thing you'd have on VHS. Um, I kind of remember that scene and liking it, but I forget everything else that happens in the movie. It's a standard Don Johnson. Is it's yeah, You know, I guess it would have been like, hey, this is the guy that was on Miami Vice. Let's do a movie with him as a cop. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that's what was. Let's do it if he's hung over instead of drinking constantly, <laughs> like he is on the show. Uh, his girlfriend is Penelope Ann Miller. What do you think of that, Kelly? Right. I think. It's like that uh, Marlboro Man movie. It's about that. Oh, Harley, oh, Harley Davidson. Davidson. Marlboro Man. They shoot each other in the leg on that, I seem to in the leg. Yeah. I recall. Yeah. That was Don Johnson? Wait a minute. That's Don yeah. Johnson and Mickey Rourke? Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. Uh, Good call. I like that movie. <laughs> Is that Walter Hill? Uh, Dingus knows. Yeah, it, I, I think, think so. Know. Dingus, what is your number three favorite example of yakking in a movie? And maybe you can give us a quote from it. Here's a quote from it. I threw up in his face a lot. Projectiled. That's a real thing. I know this, so I won't guess it. Hmm. How do you know That's this? That's an interesting rule. Isn't it one of the two that I said you were going to pick? No. Oh, then I don't. You know what? You're not guessing it. You're announcing it. Uh, well, I won't. Oh, then I don't know this. I thought it was one of the two that I accused you of, of selecting. You can you can say what what did you think it was? Well, no, because someone's probably going to pick it. I know at least someone's going to a reader is going to send in the one that I think it is. Um, so, all right, this is from the movie I Love You, Man. There's vomiting in that. I don't remember that. Yeah. Uh, they do this thing called a boat race, and so um, <laughs> Paul Rudd is. <laughs> I do remember now. <laughs> Paul Rudd is trying to find a male friend. Sorry, go ahead, Dan. And he goes to a poker night with uh, John Favreau, his wife's friend's husband. <laughs> And they do a boat race, which is apparently you are like with your friends and you're drinking beers and like you drink a beer and the next guy in your team drinks beer and then he the next guy drinks beer and that comes right back to you and then you drink a beer and whoever finishes fast enough wins. And Paul Rudd, who is the dork, uh, wins and he's like, yeah, in your face, we won. <laughs> and, uh, he projectile vomits into John Rivers. <laughs> Kelly, one, have you seen I Love You, Man? 
Yeah, I don't remember that part though. Okay. I think I tend to skim over boat races. Tell you what's your number two favorite instance of yakking in a movie? Uh, my number two is in The Witches of Eastwick when that ch- Veronica Cartwright throws up cherries and then breaks her leg. What? What? And then Jack Nicholson does it at the end too because they use it on him. She dies. She dies from throwing what does that up mean? cherries. Throws up what? cherries. What does that mean? So she's she's uh, vomiting cherry fruits. <laughs> okay. If that's Why? What is she allergic? Yeah. Is it no? Because they cast a spell on her. Jack Nicholson and the witches of Eastwood. Cher and uh, Lily Tomlin and Beth Oh, Miller. Cher, Sherry's. I get it. And why wow. Mr. Poor Veronica Cartwright? I forget. She fucked them over on a land deal, I think. So they make her hurl cherries and then they kill her? Yeah. She's married to Richard Jenkins, I think, too. Oh, well, good for him. Okay. <laughs> good for him. <laughs> you remember that part? I thought because you're the Veronica Cartwright lust. I realized, Kelly Wan, as you were talking about Witches of Eastwick, that I thought you were talking about Death Becomes Her. Um, yeah, me too. And halfway through that, uh, I realized, oh, no, that's not Death Becomes Her. It's the movie that I don't remember the first thing about. Death Becomes Her only has two chicks in it, and Witches of Eastwick has three. Ah, good point. How many that's- does the craft have? Three. Wait, four. Well, three. Is that three your to final four. answer? Robin Tunney? Is that her name? Yeah. Faruka Basalt? Faruza Balk. Faruza Balk. <laughs> uh, the on. black one. Oh, God. And the dumb one. The Tara Reid. Uh, the Lacey Chabert one. So, Vomiting Rachel Cherries. Rachel McAdams. Okay. Yeah. Vomiting Cherries and Witches of Eastwick. Uh, yeah. Okay. And, and but specifically, Veronica when Cartwright. Veronica Cartwright does it, not when Jack Nicholson does it. Yeah, because by then you already know what's going right. to happen. Exactly. You've seen it, right? Yeah. Uh, okay, my number two pick for vomiting is uh, this is actually a lyric that I, uh, I I remember the lyric, um, but it's in the first part of Eight Mile. Uh, Eight Mile opens with Eminem at a mirror, uh, and he's about to go on and do his first what's called a rap battle, um, and he's just examining himself in the mirror, trying to steal himself for this, and he goes over <laughs> to the toilet and just throws up f- from nerves, and he gets some of it on his shirt. Uh, and then from there, we see that for him to change his shirt, he goes out to a trash bag he has stashed behind a dumpster where all of his presumably worldly goods are kept because he's been kicked out of his apartment. Uh, he's lost his job, uh, and that's where he has to go to change clothes. Um, but the lyric from the Eminem song for Eight Mile has this line about he's nervous, his palms are sweaty, vomit on his sweater. It's his mom's spaghetti. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so that stands out for me. Um, uh, but I just let you know there are plenty of movies where a character is either nervous or horrified by seeing a corpse or whatever, and that character vomits. One of the things I really like <laughs> about Eight Mile um, is I I like Eminem in that movie a lot because he's so uh, self-deprecating. It's such the character starts out just really kind of uh, pathetic and small and nervous and insecure. Uh, and the, the arc that Eminem establishes in that movie to the rap battle at the end is really thrilling to me. Um, so uh, I like that even though Eminem, you know, huge star, uh, he, he allows himself to be seen basically vomiting on his own shirt at the beginning of, of this movie. Um, so that's uh, my number two pick. Did you guys remember that Michael Shannon is in 8 Mile? 
Yeah, he's uh, the stepfather. No. Yeah. He, well, he's he's uh, they're not married, but he's he's boning uh, Kim Bassinger, right? Right. Who is right. Uh, Eminem's mom, uh, and he'd gone to school with Eminem, like they were in the same high school. <laughs> they're roughly the same age, and uh, Michael Shannon. But you know, it's Kim Bassinger. You know, I don't think I, I've ever heard you say boning before. I just did. I know. I like it. It's like you just you just made me think of mud all of a sudden. I hope we talk about <sighs> that. Yeah. Is there vomiting in mud? No, it's Michael Shannon's role in mud. Right. It, mud is nature's vomit. I thought of trailer parks and, and uh, Michael Shannon. One of the unlikely things in 8 Mile, which is mostly a pretty realistic look at like life in Detroit, and uh, I guess it was in the 90s, uh, is that uh, Michael Shannon gets his ass kicked by Eminem. I don't, I don't think that would happen in real life. Uh, now or then? Ever. Ever. Yeah. yeah. Wait, are you basing that on the fight scene in Premium Blend? <laughs> Premium Blend. That's the coffee version of the Bicycle Messenger movie. What's <laughs> it called? Silver Premiums? Premium Rush, Kelly Wong. Premium Rush. <laughs> Silver Premium. <laughs> I thought that's why he was so... There's a great uh, drank too much coffee. Watching Eight Mile, also, uh, I don't know that I had much of a frame of reference for her, but it's so sad about Brittany Murphy. She was so good in that, uh, and they have an awesome meet cute as well. So, so uh, Eminem is at where uh, he's rabbit in the movie, and it's like I think of Eminem, the guy who like lip syncs on Saturday Night Live. That's one person, but the character in Eight Mile is Rabbit, so I'll just call him Rabbit. So Rabbit is working at this factory, and he's just a gotten in trouble with his boss, and he's trying to get more shifts at the factory. Also, by the way, one of the things I love about 8 Mile is that it doesn't have this, um, yeah, I'm going to be a rap superstar, bitches, kind of message, because after the end of the movie, he goes back to work at the plant. Like, it's all yeah. about he's going to work at the plant. It's about this sort of work ethic and responsibility, and he doesn't even get the girl. Um, so, at any rate, he's, he's trying to get more hours from his boss, and his boss is like, forget it, get out of here. I'm not going to give you more hours. And this hot chick, Brittany Murphy, walks up and is like, hey, can you direct me to the such and such? And Eminem is like, yeah, come with me. I'll show you. Because he wants to talk to this hot chick. And the boss who is standing there says, no, you go back to work. I'm going to help her. Uh, And totally cock blocks him. Uh, So while the boss and Brittany Murphy are walking away, uh, Rabbit flips him off. And just as he raises his middle finger, Brittany Murphy happens to, like, turn around to look back at him and see the middle finger. And she thinks that he's flipping her off. (laughs) So she (laughs) flips him off again. uh, That is a meat cute. It's a very meat cute. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, she's so adorable. So that's her fetish. Um, there, speaking of, there's a really hot sex scene. By the way, no, no actual nudity, but there's an, uh, there's a really hot sex scene in uh, Eight Mile Kelly Wand between Michael Shannon and <laughs> uh, Rabbit. There, there's yeah. a little of that. You you do Kelly hey, Wand. Yeah, you do see uh, Kim Bassinger's bare back. How do you feel about that, Kelly Wand? I've seen Oliver collectively over the years sure. in a Benicio del Toro way. I'm not impressed. Well, how isn't she? One down, five to go. My age in that movie? Ew. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh... <laughs> Give us a line from your number two favorite example of hurling in a motion picture. Is it me, or did we just take a left turn into Snoozeville? Hmm. Yeah, but give us a, a line yeah, from your number get back two to movie. <laughs> Uh, this is uh, this is sort of a companion to uh, to Tom's because this is also a competition movie. Um, I, I will do a line from the competition. I saw the sign. 
it's the vomiting in Pitch Perfect. Oh, God. Oh, Jesus. Dingus. Oh, because that's genuinely gross, disturbing vomit. Oh, and they play around. Ew, Dingus, I don't like this one. Ew. Of course you don't. All right, so this is another uh, a vocal competition. And there's a character named Aubrey who uh, – like Jack. Camp, camp, who not, – not, who, uh, who played by she's nervous, uh, Anne Camp, who whenever oh. she's nervous, she vomits. What? I and thought that was Brittany Snow. No. Oh, no, I'm confusing. No, you're right. You're right. She's the, the uptight blonde one. Yes, you're right. Dingus. The uptight blonde one vomits when she's nervous. Yes. And so there's two moments that I'm talking about in particular. It's, there's a moment where they're doing uh, Ice on the Sign, and she vomits on stage. And then there's another moment when they're practicing, and she vomits. <laughs> And the, and the other girl's like, bring it on, bring it on! And she keeps vomiting. And then uh, Lily, played by Hannah Mae Lee, makes a snow angel in the vomit. Oh, that's right. Uh, I was thinking more of them like fumbling around for the pitch whistle that's sitting in the vomit, yeah. but I forgot about this, this vomit angel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kelly Wan still hasn't seen Pitch Perfect, has he? I saw the shower scene. I didn't know there was a vomit scene later. Or is it before? It's after. It's, yeah. It's, you got to earn getting to sit through the vomit scene, Kelly Wan. How long is the? It's awesome to hear that the way they're singing that "I Saw the Sign" song, and then see her just projectile vomit into the crowd. <laughs> Do you actually? Is it? Are they watching a video of it, Dingus, or is that part of the movie? That no, it's part of the movie, isn't it? No, it's part of the movie. It's yeah. it's in the competition, and then you have uh, Elizabeth. Is it Elizabeth Banks? Who is it? Yeah, Elizabeth Banks and uh, I forget the actor's name playing yeah. the announcers. Yeah. And they're up there in the booth, and, and Elizabeth Banks has just said, Is it me, or did we just take the left turn into Snoozeville? Because they go into this, like, I saw the sign thing that they always do. Uh, right. And then she just projectile vomits, and the two of them in the booth are like, Whoa, what just happened? Dingus, what rating is Pitch Perfect? Is it PG 13 or R? I have no idea. I think it's PG 13. you talking about? You have no idea. It's got to be an R. No, it's a hard R. Aren't they, isn't there F-bombs right and left in Pitch Perfect? Maybe not. Par. I have no idea. All right. Snoozeville's always to the left, huh? <laughs> Kelly Wand, what is your favorite scene of of uh, calling Ralph in a film? I'll do a quote. A <clears throat> <clears throat> oh, basket case. Yeah. <laughs> we got your number, no. Kelly Wand. What? Oh. There's no vomit in that. Oh. It's a very oh. tasteful film about Sorry, it. That, that's your usual MP3 for that movie. I might have screwed up the line. Hang on. Let me redo it. <clears throat> so we could just guess movies that have vomiting in them, maybe. <laughs> it's it's Team America. Or the puppet vomits. Yeah, I don't do South Park. What? It's a vomit scene. It goes on for like 20 minutes. It's a puppet vomiting for 20 minutes. Wow, how could I have not seen that? It's really good. Oh, I'm sure it is. Well, it's the character's low point, and he's realized that it's not going to be easy being on Team America. So I'm willing to see some cartoons, but I just have a hard time going to see a puppet movie. I don't know. But it there's doesn't... vomit in it, and they have sex, too. Not the vomit. And then a guy poops on a girl. It's awesome. Huh. I thought it was funny. I forget why. All right. Well, Probably gonna... some dumbass reason to go huh. <laughs> uh, All right. My number one pick. Uh, I don't think either of you guys have seen this, which is kind of a shame. Um uh, I should look up his name. Bat Zangmalia. Oh, I'm gonna screw. Uh, so there's a movie called Sound of My Voice. Uh, an actress named Britt Marling uh, has routinely worked with the director. 
Bat Singh Malia? Uh, I'm going to screw up his name. I presume he's an Indian fellow. Uh, directed this movie, Sound of My Voice. The actress is Britt Marlene. She writes with him. <clears throat> he directed Sound of My Voice. She's the uh, lead actress in it. The movie is about uh, a fellow named Christopher Denham, who was one of the the house guests in Argo, which, who we really liked. Uh, he and his girlfriend are going to infiltrate this cult. And they want to uh, document what this cult is doing. And this cult claims that somebody has come from the future and is kind of a prophet for them. So uh, the cult is, of course, very secretive. Um, and any time that they, you know, they, they screen the, these people, and before they go to the cult house to meet the prophet, they basically uh, search them. They take all their clothes away and put them in robes. Um, they, you know, even feel around their scalp. Uh, and so they, they don't, it, you know, it's going to be difficult for them to document this. So what Christopher Denham decides to do is he's going to have installed in his glasses a camera. But the problem is the camera in the glasses can't send the signal far enough for him to record the footage. So what he has to do is swallow a transmitter. And it's in his stomach. It's picking up the signal from the glasses. And, uh, and that, that that's how they're going to get footage of this cult. So uh there's a there's a scene in the movie. I don't want to ruin too much of it because there's a what what makes sound of my voice worthwhile is you know that there are three possible outcomes. Uh, either she is from the future, she's not from the future, or it's ambiguous. And I will say that of those three possible outcomes, uh, sound of my voice chose the worst one. Uh, and I'll leave that to your <laughs> imagination. Uh, so, but there's an awesome scene. What what makes sound of my voice work is Britt Marling has this really great. Uh, kind of mysterious quality to her. And the movie really captures this well. Christopher Denham, on the other hand, has uh, this this great uncertainty. He, he really wants to find out what's going on with this cult. Uh, a lot of it's about his relationship to his girlfriend. She's part of this investigation. Um, but he also uh, is fascinated by this woman. So there's a scene when they're with the cult and he swallowed the transmitter. And the day's exercise that they're going to be doing with each other this, you know, Britt Marlene conducting for all the members of the cult is they're all going to purge. They're all going to force themselves to vomit. And it's a symbolic gesture to get rid of your past. And, and what's going on here is that he, of course, has this transmitter in his, in his stomach. And he knows that if he takes part in this exercise, he's going to be busted. So what what follows is one of my favorite scenes in the movie where Britt Marlene, as this prophet who may or may not be from the future, is talking to Christopher Denham about why he needs to vomit, why he needs to partake in this exercise. And she has an actual connection with him. And there's this amazing emotional scene. Like when the scene starts and you see them all vomiting, it's like, oh, gross, this is what's going on here. But at, when she makes this amazing connection with Christopher Denham, uh, you know, she really susses out what's going on with him, with his past, and he reacts. And there's some great acting going on here, but there's a layer underneath it where you're wondering, is she really connecting with him, or is he just doing a great job tricking her into why, into making sure that he vomits so he can palm the transmitter without her seeing? <laughs> uh, and so there's just great, this great cat and mouse around the act of vomiting uh, in the movie Sound of My Voice. Um, so I'm, I guess I'm correct. Neither of you have seen that, right? No, I have not. Uh, they did a movie called The East, um, 
I think a few years ago, last year, um, which is very similar, uh, except instead of a cult being infiltrated, it's eco-terrorists, and they're being infiltrated. And the error that sound of uh, that the East makes, um, and the East is a terrible movie, uh, is that it has Britt Marling be the investigator. And like I said, she has this great mysterious quality to her, but it doesn't work nearly as well when she's supposed to be the investigator. Um, the people being investigated are... Uh, Alexander Skarsgård, uh, Ellen Page, uh, some other people. Uh, what's that guy's name? Um, that come out. We've seen him in movies. At any rate, The East is terrible. Uh, I don't recommend that, but I do recommend Sound of My Voice. So there's my number one vomiting scene. That leaves you, Dingus. Give us a line from your favorite scene involving barfing. Uh, I can't really because I don't. I know you guys won't get it. Um, and it really would be like a paragraph. So I'm just going to tell you what the movie is. It's a movie called Gigantic. And um, this is what inspired the, the topic. Uh, it's something that I put on my list for 2008. Um, it was directed by a guy named Matt Asselton. And it's it has uh, Paul Dano and uh, Zoe Deschanel. And... There's this moment. So Paul Dano is this guy, he's this weird little guy who's this mattress salesman, um, and he, he all of his life he's wanted to adopt a Chinese baby. <laughs> that's that's been his life's ambition. It, Tell you one, that's not a joke. This is a true thing. It takes me back. Uh, he, he and and then he starts dating this girl. This uh, you know, this guy comes into his store. This rich guy comes in and he buys a fourteen thousand dollar mattress. And he says, you know, before I buy this, my girl's going to come in and look at it. And his girl turns out to be his daughter. And then Paul Dano and Zoe Deschanel strike up a relationship and they start to fall in love. And it turns out that for some reason, Paul Dano, this 28-year-old who is a mattress salesman who doesn't have any other prospects other than he's always wanted to adopt a baby from China, uh, he's approved to do that. And um, there's a couple of vomiting moments in this movie. Actually, there's this weird one where where John where where somebody uh, vomits out a tumor. But you what? Yeah, I, I know. That. Yeah. Well. Uh, he he sort of thinks it out and then vomits it out. But uh, the moment we I'm see talking this or about, he talks about it. No, we he, see it. He talks about God, it and wow. we see it. Uh, but the moment I'm talking about is is when um, when their relationship seems to be going somewhere, and Paul Dano tells uh, Zoe Deschanel, "Yeah, I I've just gotten approved. I'm going to get this baby," and she goes, "Okay, uh, hold on." I need to go to the bathroom. And she she's just had this goat stew that his oh, yeah. coworker <laughs> has given her. And she just throws up all over the bathroom. And then the real moment is like later she calls her mom, who she has obviously no contact with because she has to Google her mom's name to find out what her mom's phone number is and her address is. And her mom lies about where she actually lives or doesn't actually know because she's so drunk. Who knows? And she she says to her mom, and this is the, this is the quote I would have said: "Is like I got really nervous and I went to the bathroom and I threw up everywhere. Is is this 
is it has this ever happened to you? Is this normal? And her mom says, I have no idea what you're talking about, basically. Um, but I just love that her reaction to him saying that is to run to the bathroom and throw up and then to call her mom and say, is this normal when somebody says he's going to have a baby? It's like this weird juxtaposition of morning sickness. And I, I loved, I just loved that throw up moment. And it was from, you know, 2008. And I wrote it down in my ideas for things we're going to do for three by threes. And it's been gestating ever since. So there and, you go. And Kelly Wan still has not seen gigantic. Yeah. It's been gestating in him like vomit. Yeah, uh, Matt Hazelton like, hasn't done anything else since then, Dingus. What's going on with that? I don't know, but I'm pretty upset about that because I loved, I loved Gigantic. So Matt, much. if you're listening, get on the stick. Give us another movie, buddy. Yeah. Get to work on that. So I watched it again today, and uh, I wondered if it was too precious and Sundancey. And it is. If we if we had done it on the show, we would have to do that sort of. Is this too much of a Sundance movie? Um, is this too Sundancey? Uh, but I just I. I love you know it so what, much. Though, I, you know I what thing is though. I, I recently watched a movie called The Way Way Back, which is um, uh, the lead actor. Water in it. Park. Yeah, the Water Park one. The Water Park one that's not uh, Jesse Eisenberg, uh, and the lead actor in it, the kid is really good at at painfully capturing that that awkwardness of adolescence but the rest of the movie is just so precious and it undercuts what he's doing and and uh, steve carell is so freaking annoying and even sam Rockwell, who i love incredibly annoying and precious and just obvious humor and just the, the sun dancing really sucks the life out of it or really sucks the honesty out of it and it's, it loses a lot with this sun dancing and i don't feel that gigantic you know it has that same tone but i don't feel it ever sacrificed any sort of honesty or insight um you know that that conversation that is it jane alexander has it in with zoe deschanel there's so that 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 kind of is like the the heart of the movie and neither like that that and and nothing compromises that you know the movie comes to a head when two women talk to each other um about their uncertainty uh and it's one woman advising another woman and it's it's just the fact that this is where it all comes and that that's kind of the emotional heart of the movie um, is 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 such a bold choice. Um, so I don't think it was an example of there's sun danciness there, but I think you can get away with what Gigantic does. And and you can't, you know, way, way back as an example of it not working. Um, did you watch the whole thing today? Yeah, yeah I had to. Because I, I just I just went through my and you know I was just like why did I write this down and there's no clips of this kind of thing online of course I remember the goat stew that's right I forgot about that yeah <laughs> uh, all right do we have uh, reader submissions do do, do uh, readers do we have listener submissions do the listeners know of any movies where people vomit we have a few uh, here's Paul Wymore uh, hi guys favorite barfing huh. So many choices, so I decided to go entirely snarl with mine. I don't know what that means. Uh, I don't know. Snarl? F-S-F-N-A-L. Snarl. Must be some... Uh, he's German, right? It was some kind of a German word. Uh, I don't know. It might be one of the realms. Snarlheim. <laughs> it's Thor's uh, friend with the goatee. <laughs> Take that, loyal listener. You're... Acronym sounds like a Norse god. <laughs> huh. Guys. Snow. I just want to say that's Fondral, by the way. Anyway, uh, number three. In the Matrix, Neo 
releases the contents of his stomach when first arriving in the real world. That's right. That's, boy, that's got nothing on cherries barfed up by Veronica Cartwright. He should have thrown up Matrix symbols. <laughs> Number two, in District 9, Wickus. Oh, yeah. Uh, Shalter Copley vomiting up of black goo is an early indication that there are changes in store for him. Big changes. Poor Wickus. And uh, in... You know, real quick, what I feel worst about what I... The most pity I have for Wickus is that he would go on to be in Elysium. <laughs> Poor guy. Yeah, I know. And, well, he gets resurrected a bunch of times. Yeah, he gets a facial reconstruction. That's fine. I guess so. Just uh, like number, District 9. <laughs> number one in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy movie. Speaking of Sam Rockwell being annoying. <laughs> thanks to the improbability drive, poor Arthur Dent vomits up yarn at one point since he and the rest of the crew had been temporarily turned into yarn people during the drive's operation. Best regards, Paul Weimer. Uh, did I get that wrong? Whether it was Sam Rockwell in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? Yeah, he was Zaphod Beeblebrox. Yeah. Yeah. Is, that a, is that his name or is there a comma? <laughs> Zaphod Beeblebrox bra. <laughs> uh, uh, who's the actor who played the lead in that? Who's our Hobbit uh, from The Office? Why can't it? Martin Freeman? Martin Freeman. Do you guys know what movie is insufferably bad? What? Uh, World's End. Yes. The, the Simon Pegg thing. I am so he done with it? Simon Pegg and, and Edgar Wright. I'm breaking up with them forever. I want to see that. So wait, which did you like more, that one or the Franco Rogan one that I liked? That you made fun oh, of? Oh, well, no. I it did, I liked uh, This is the End way better than World's End. Really? I didn't even like This is the End. That's uh, what World I remember. Is, so you must have really hated. World's End is horrible. It did Paul. It's Paul horrible. Paul, the thing about the alien, Seth Rogen is the little I didn't alien. See that either. That's wretched. This is wretched. I'm so done with Simon Pegg and, and Edward Wright. I mean, I. <sighs> I want to watch Paul, Ted, and then that one by the Kung Fu Hustle guy about an alien. To a triple feature of a so I mean Ted at least has some some life from I watched ten minutes of Ted but it was near the end and it was all earnest and he was like coming back from the dead or something that's the wrong part to watch uh, do you do you know the premise of World's <laughs> that's End the wrong part to watch I'd like to see the movie called Ten Minutes of Ted by Kelly <laughs> what is the premise of World's End I assumed it was about the end of the world no I don't you know I kind of want to see it. I, I'm sure they give it away in the trailers. I still haven't seen a trailer for it. I never watched one because I thought, hey, maybe it'll have some cool take on the apocalypse. Well, suffice to say, it doesn't. Uh, I'm just, yeah. Hot Fuzz is all right, isn't it? Nope. You hate it. Do, yes. You just hate British people, though. I liked Shaun of the Dead. I mean, I liked this sort of earnest, how that became an earnest zombie movie and not a bad one. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, I never liked that thing they made about being slackers in an apartment. What was that called? Uh I want to say zapped, but that's not right. What was it? Spaced. Spaced, yes. I didn't, none of that worked. Him and a chick, though, wasn't, uh, what's his face? I mean, I like Simon Pegg a lot in the Mission Impossible movie. Um, I got to tell you, and the Hot Fuzz is two and a half hours too long. I mean. (laughs) (laughs) And it's a 90 minute movie. (laughs) How do you make, how do you make, I don't understand why you make that movie that long. Come on. You're making a joke about Lethal Weapon. It's a skit. Do it. (laughs) Kelly Wan, you know what? And that's exactly what the deal is with World's End, Dingus. Uh, it's too long. It takes it's too long. long. It's a skit. These are skits. Barely they're bad. making skits. Out of, they're making. They're doing Saturday Night Live movies. Come on. Yeah. Uh, Did they do a thing where they jump over that fence, like in the other two movies? 
I don't know what you're talking about, but yes. It's like Shaun of the yes. Dead and Hot Fuzz. There's like yes. a fence gag. I yes, I've said yes. I've already said yes. I've verified that they do that. I don't know if I always trust you, though, because you're very... Everyone is weird about comedies. Everyone has their own idea of what's funny. That is about. true. Right, right. I think I like weirder things than you do. Well, I don't like, think it's weird. I, I, mean, I think it, it's painfully conventional, though. I don't think it's weird. It's trying to be weird. But no, World's End is terrible. But see it, Kelly Wan, because I want to know All if right. you were as turned off by it as I was. Um, all right, so let's see. So, Dingus, we, do we see, what was Paul's number one again? Do we move on from that? Yeah, well, Paul's number one was uh, Hitchhiker's Guide. Oh, right, right, right. And that's right. I got on a tear about uh, Martin Freeman. So, Martin Freeman, who is the lead in Hitchhiker's Guide, he's in World's End, by the way. World's End, one of its greatest crimes is that it's got good actors in it and it does nothing with it. So, it's uh, Simon Pegg and, and Nick Frost, of course. Then it's Martin Freeman. Patty Considine, and get this, oh. it's Eddie Marzen. What? Marzen. Yeah, those are the five buddies, and it's still insufferably bad. How do you not make a kick-ass movie with those two guys? Well, see World's End and you'll find out. <laughs> uh, never mind. <laughs> All right, so sorry, Dingus, go ahead. Who who else has, uh, has hurled up uh, an opinion for us? All right. <laughs> Great, well done. <laughs> I hope you have a lot I of I see what Tom up. did. <laughs> All right, so next we have Adam and Sarah, and I have to warn you, at the end of this, there's going to be a profanity. So, in about uh, 1.3 minutes, turn off your uh, iPod. Uh, so here's a two-by-two two for you. Uh, born Identity, Marie barfs involuntarily after shocking violence of the Paris apartment fight between Jason and Castell. That's a great one. That's a really great one. Actually, I never. So I, I, I mean, I love that movie, and I don't. But I, I never understand in movies when when characters like see see a fight or see somebody get killed and then uh, vomit. Like, is that didn't you, Captain America do it a few times? I mean, it happens like in murder After mysteries or something. Hitler. Like somebody sees somebody get killed and then they vomit. And I, I'm Hercule like, Poirot did it every time. I just think it's that that moment of gore where in real life you're not ready for that and i like that i mean there's there's been a couple of those but i like that he concludes that one i mean i can imagine that i mean when i'm picking up dog poop in the backyard sometimes i want to throw well, up right right but i understand that i totally get that but yeah. i don't understand like seeing somebody get murdered and then vomiting like i don't yeah that, dog I, I'm, poop's I'm, way grosser than murder yeah, exactly I, I have never seen somebody get murdered so i don't <laughs> murder just makes me laugh at this point <laughs> I get no desensitized to that in movies. I'm still not desensitized to dog poop, for instance, yeah. or other people hurling. That, by the way, I, I definitely That's have that gross sympathetic. Too. No, you know, there's that whole con, that whole uh, condition of sympathetic vomiting where somebody vomits. What if it's a hot girl. What if it's like Denise Richards? I don't care. Vomit is vomit, Kelly. This is making me queasy anyway. Dingus, go on. What's uh, uh, what did Adam and Sarah have for us? Easy there, Doctor Christmas. Yeah. All right. So uh, Jurassic Park. Is the next one the frilly necked dinosaur barfs onto? <laughs> That's not vomit. That's, That's spit. Yeah. yeah, it's poison spit. or acid. It might even be acid. Into Dennis Nidri's eyes during his botched attempt at corporate espionage. Yeah, definitely not vomit. Um, now the Brundlefly. Called- Brundlefly. That is vomit. Ah, oh, that's a good one. That's totally vomit. That's a digestive uh, process. Yeah. Uh, Adam and Sarah say it has all the sudden qualities of good cinematic barf. Sudden, caustic, and voluminous. Also, a great example of comeuppance, the three-way three from a few uppins ago. Mm. And it blinds the guy, just like real vomit. That's his comeuppance. Hey. Get it? So they say, love the show. Adam and Sarah 
Also, fuck you, chick. <laughs> was that Z-Bone that is helping them to edit their emails? Apparently. I warned you that it was coming. <laughs> Dingus lowered his voice for that part. That's right. Uh, next, we have Dan Edmonds. Uh, huh. Hey, guys. I hope you find my picks very punny. Uh, number three, hot tub barf machine from hot tub time machine. I see. After a wild night of partying, Adam, John Cusack, wakes up in the hot tub and sees a squirrel nearby. Lou, played by Rob Corddry, also sees the squirrel, and projectile vomits on the furry critter. <laughs> Later on in the movie... The Is he same... thinking of Greenberg? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the scene in Greenberg? <laughs> Later on in the movie, the same squirrel interrupts a Broncos game that Lou and Nick made a bet on since they know the outcome of the game. It's the butterfly effect. Hmm. Tom's favorite time travel movie, I might add. <laughs> that Ashton uh, Kutcher really is dreamy. Tom vowed one night in his uncle's pickup to me. Uh, number two. Okay, Dan. All right. Uh, Aka spews me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I liked that one. Yeah, that's good. Probably one hasn't even seen Pitch Perfect, and you like that it's one. It's funny. Pitch Perfect. There are two great barfing scenes in this movie. Anna Camp's character, Aubrey, projectile vomits while singing I Saw the Sign at the National Acapella Competition. This is a great scene since it totally catches you off guard. The second barfing scene is at the beginning of the third act. Aubrey lets it all out, literally, and a brawl ensues. <laughs> makes a scene more memorable and disgusting as the quiet Asian girl lies down and makes snow. Come on! Did you... Snow angels in the vomit. All right. Did he also guess, write uh, "fuck you, chick" at the end of his email? He did not. Oh, right. Because I was going to keep a count for how many people wrote that. So so far, we've got one. It's a drinking game for Alcoholics Anonymous. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they ever. I don't. They don't scramble for the the pitch pipe in the vomit. They're just near it. By the way, mm, someone mm. picks it up. And I uh, are you, have you seen it recently, Dingus? I thought there was some scrambling for the pitch. I pipes. just watched, snow is nature's vomit. I watched that scene earlier today. I don't okay. Just that one scene? Well, I've For seen Pitch Perfect enough times. I know. Really? All right, I'm going to watch the whole thing then. But I love that he that, uh, that Dan picked both those moments, including the snow angels moment. It's not and, a snow angel. It's a vomit angel. Let's start calling it what it is and not disguising the true nature of it. That's true. <laughs> vomit angels are chaotic good. Nerd. <laughs> <laughs> huh, guys? <laughs> I'll be in charge of the uh, theology. Yeah. Dan Edmonds, number one. Uh, Blue 52, barf, barf, from the replacements. Uh, Jumbo, the sumo wrestler, turned offensive lineman. eats a bowl full of boiled eggs before their first game. Before one of the plays, Jumbo throws up inside the huddle. Clifford Franklin, played, like, played by Orlando Jones, tells Falco that they need to move or he's going to hurl too. Franklin does it anyway. Instead of just walking to a different spot, the guys huddle up and shuffle with baby steps to another spot on the field. Comedy! Favorite sports comedies. <laughs> Very quotable movie. See, they're walking funny yeah. away from vomit. This is the replacement. Uh, before the next one, can I, can I mention something gross that I saw in a movie that's not actually vomiting? Sure. Go ahead. So uh, the to-do list with Aubrey Plaza is very much in the vein of 80s comedies like Caddyshack and whatnot. And what, what happens is Aubrey Plaza is like a good girl, and she's determined to lose her virginity 
this summer. You know, we, right. we've all we've all been there. We've all been there. Uh, so she makes a list of all the stuff she needs to do leading up to sex. Um, and but the the point of it, the movie is all of this like gross out humor and, and weird uncomfortable compromising positions the characters are discovered in, and it's it's very eighties in in that regard. And so she was working at a pool as a lifeguard. Uh, and they keep hazing her uh, at the pool by doing things that range from just like throwing her in the pool to, uh, you know, when her top comes off, like keeping it playing keep away with it. And so they're constantly griefing her and, and stuff at this pool. So at one point, Bill Hader, who is her boss, says, uh, hey, newbie, I need you to go. Uh, there's somebody had an accident in the pool. You need to go clean it up. And so she's like, yeah, right, har har, I've seen Caddyshack. What is it? Is it a baby Ruth? Is it a Butterfinger? What is it? And she wades out, and everybody's, of course, standing at the edge of the pool, not willing to get in, and there's something floating in the pool. She's like, yeah, I've seen Caddyshack. What is it, a baby Ruth? And she walks up there and picks it up and takes a bite of it. No. And it's not a candy bar. No, no. <laughs> and at that point, I felt so bad for all the applause that have to be in a stupid movie. <laughs> Take that story back. I can't help it. That didn't do it. They did it into the to-do list. They She's thought, just stealing from Divine. Hey, that would be... Hey, thank you, Kelly Wand. Exactly. It's very John Waters, isn't it? Uh, and it's really gross. I want you to undo that story. You can now oh. never see Aubrey Plaza in Community the same way again. Don't they do that in The Help, too? Oh, very good, Kelly Wand. And they don't even notice yeah. in The Help. They don't know they're eating uh, Now I'm really feeling queasy. Wait, that was your story. You interrupted the <laughs> listeners to tell that Sorry. to make yourself sick. All right. But I didn't know you were going to compound it by adding John Waters uh, and the help to it, Kelly Wand. John Waters, the help. Let's bow, move on to the next one. <laughs> JK, Let me take let's, let's continue talking three about Three by three, uh, best uh, uses of poo in a movie. Okay, oh, we haven't done that yet? Three by three, cold. We just do it every week. Uses of poo. <laughs> All right, sorry, Dingus. Who? What's next? I really do feel queasy now. I hope you guys are happy. Poovy oh. theater. I'm not. All right, Dave. Like it's a close up of her eating it too. Is the thing. Yeah, keep, go ahead. Keep doing it. Good. <laughs> no, I'm, fine. What, okay, I'm sorry. She, I did not make did the movie. Describe the bouquet. I did not make the movie. I had to watch it. I didn't. Ha- I, I I saw them. I beheld the movie. I witnessed it. I didn't make it. Good thing you didn't step in it. Oh. Wait, wouldn't the smell, though, tip them off? Look That's the all. thing about poo, is it smells bad, I've, I read online. Maybe after it's been floating in a chlorinated pool Hold long on. enough. Let me write this down. <laughs> so at the very best, it's it's still t- it smells like chlorine, so you're eating a chlorine-flavored She knows the baby moment she bites into it and starts chewing on it. It's obvious. Oh, God, this is really gross. Dingus, what's next? Please, really. Oh, Dingus, get us out of here. Dave Perkins. Quick side note from Dave Perkins. Dave Perkins. Is his side note, uh, I have a prediction, is his side note, fuck you, chick? It is not. That's everyone's. His his side notes are are all pronunciation related. Mm. So Uh. Dave says, quick side note, Michelle's last name is still her original Labar, pronounced Labar. Mm. I guess like... (laughs) Like a, I don't know... um, So getting back to Baby Ruth, if I may. Like a Baby Ruth, yeah, bar. Number three, our actual... Our favorite actual barf in a movie is the man dog in Spaceballs. Uh, what about barf fly? Number two, our favorite almost barf in a movie is from the helicopter scene in Full Metal Jacket, where Raptor Man is watching the gunners shoot Vietnamese peasants. How can you shoot women and children? You just lead them a little more. 
very good thing is. Uh, number one, our favorite, but by far saddest barf in a movie mm. is from Moon. Yeah, this is a burner. Oh. When Sam throws up blood and we in the audience realize not only that he is dying, but why? This is from Michelle Labar and Dave Perkins, pronounced Perkins. <laughs> Dingus, you got mooned. They scooped you on moon. Yeah, they mooned you. They yeah. mooned you. Yeah. Great to talk about moon after talking about poop. I did not. I, it's not my fault <laughs> that I had to see the to-do list. It is eat to-do, huh? It just <laughs> came out of him. He had no choice. I can't believe that we're talking about both ends. Uh, Well, if you stick a finger down your throat, it helps. But then (laughs) if you try the other way, it doesn't help. (laughs) It does? Wait a minute, Dingus. How do you know that, first of all? uh, uh, That's it. Because I've been to Kelly's house. What the? What's going on here? What podcast is this? (laughs) Next to Soren Hoagland. Finally, Soren, restore some dignity to this podcast already. Jeez. Hi, guys. guys. Well, this topic certainly was a transparent excuse to gush about Pitch Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. (laughs) Says the guy who hasn't seen Pitch Perfect. Interesting. I saw the shower scene. It's like vomit, but it's come out of the faucet. (laughs) Number three. And the women's auxiliary barfed all over the order of benevolent antelopes. So this is Soren saying, stand by me. Mm-hmm. Lardess's vengeance, obvious choice, but I could not pick it. That's what I thought you were going to pick. Dingus, That's what as I, I, as I mentioned to you before. If I, I picked anything you. from that scene, it would have been there's this, this prim little lady who vomits in her purse. If, if I had had to do that, I would have picked that. Uh, Wait, why that? Why Because it's such an obvious pick, but I like that little moment where that lady just like pukes in her purse uh number two ah i see the gruel is ready exquisite bouquet robert uh, this is from bad taste although the title apparently doesn't apply to the aliens vomit when one of our heroes having infiltrated the aliens ranks is forced to participate in ritual vomit eating to maintain cover he doesn't just eat he goes for a second helping so I confuse this with Meet the Feebles. Which one is the early, early Peter Jackson thing? Bad taste and Meet the Feebles as puppets. And I couldn't remember if there was any vomiting in Dead Alive or not. I know she squirts pus from her arm wound. That's close but enough. Eh. Mm. <laughs> she squirts. There's this great moment in I Love You, Man, where, um, <laughs> where his awful real estate friend is... There's this old woman on a Sibian that he's watching, and, she, and he goes, she's a squirter. Oh, no, she's a squirter. What's, what's a Sibian? <laughs> Are you the Paul Rudd in this particular thing? Help Paul. I, I kind of am Tom. sorry I asked. <laughs> Sibian. Help Tom find a starfish. <laughs> what's the Flash name of the guy? Who's, who's his tanned friend, his tanned real estate friend? I love that stuff. <laughs> Carmen Electra rides the Sibian on Howard Stern show. <laughs> oh yeah, I heard that. Dingus, what? <laughs> I thought Soren Hoogland was going to restore some dignity to this podcast. Yeah. He will. And number one, I can't let go. This time, I'm going to choke it down. Uh, I can let go. This time, I'm not going to choke it down. Pitch perfect, of course, because Lily making that vomit angel is one of the best cutaway gags ever. So everybody, <laughs> yeah, 
And Everyone Soren calls it the correct thing. Yeah. The fuck? Because you haven't seen it. That's what happens, Kelly Wand, when you don't listen to us. I just thought grown-ups don't watch movies. Kelly Wand, I have two words for you. One of the words is Anna, and the other word is Kendrick. Yeah, but I, can I enjoy it, or will it just make me feel pervy? Mm. Well, you watch, you, you watch it and go, yeah, the singing is really good. Isn't that what you kind of say? <laughs> well, it is. No, Why do those things have to be mutually exclusive? They don't. That's a good point. You're right. I'm dumb. All right, so next we have Michael Ashley. <laughs> Gentlemen, my highlights for vomiting in movies include two instances of gross and one instance of sad, and none of the perpetrators is technically human. Oh. <laughs> okay, and the next listener wrote... <laughs> <laughs> uh, number three, quotes. I just heard the uh, the little one is falling ill now. God help them. So child ghost Kyra appears one night in Cole's tent and promptly vomits. Oh, damn it. That's sad. Uh, this scene, shot by the light of Cole's flashlight, is unnerving and sad, made more sorrowful when the film reveals that Kyra's death and her vomiting is the result of poisoning by her stepmother. The quote above hints that the stepmother is now poisoning Kyra's little sister. So this is Kyra, played by Misha Barton in The Sixth Sense. Do you remember this? Vaguely. Yeah. Why are you laughing at that? That's sad. That's one of the sad ones, not one of the gross ones. Oh, I thought it was Blair Witch, when that movie always makes me laugh. Because it was a tent. That was Misha Barton, huh? Yeah. Hmm. So this this horrible uh, Munchausen by proxy thing. All right, so number two, quote, <laughs> key brackets, Latino accent? Are you asking me to do that, Michael? Dingus, you got to do it. Dingus, you've been given a stage instruction. Let's hear it. <laughs> they strike, wrap around you, hold you tighter than your true love, and you get the privilege of hearing your bones break before the power of embrace causes your veins to explode. That's kind of hot, wasn't it, Kelly? Wong? Godzilla? Gene Reno? Obviously, it was uh, it was uh, Javier Bardem as the villain in Skyfall. Or Scarface. <laughs> Uh, if there ever was a meal worth regurgitating, it's John Voight. Oh, Anaconda. (laughs) That's an awesome one. Damn it. That's actually my favorite one. Very nice. Michael Ashley, was that who that was, Dingus? Yeah. Very nice. And he's got one more. Now he's got the sad one, though. Or no, he's got another gross one. He also winks after he gets vomited, John Voight. (laughs) Uh, Number one, quote... He regurgitates on his food, it liquefies, then he sucks it back up. Yeah. Brundlefly. For a demonstration, huh? Brundlefly. It's a good one. Yeah, so that's Brundlefly. Cheers, Michael. It's the one that was so good, none of us picked it because it was too obvious, I guess. Right? Or does it just come up too many times already without barf? I don't think that this barf is regurgitation. I was going to have my favorite three regurgitations for another, but that's fine. Uh, runners up. Nobody picked uh, the we, bunny. We still have two more. Oh. oh yeah, yeah. Okay, go ahead. We're listeners. Sorry, uh, Nick D. Gross topic. I hope I can stomach listening to everyone's choices. Mm-hmm. Three. Airplane. Jim never vomits at home. <laughs> I love that's that a great one because at one point he looks at her and then vomits ten times. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's so funny. I love how the wife so- has absolutely no sympathy for the husband. Uh, uh, that's a pretty good movie. Number two. Oh, this is a really good one. Yeah, good choice, uh, Nick. 
uh, uh, Miller's Crossing. This is the moment when Tom Reagan is being taken out to the titular location to be killed. He's so sure he's going to die that he vomits in fear. I love Gabriel Byrne's performance in this moment and the astonishment he displays moments later when an unexpected corpse saves his skin. That's great. That's a really great one. Uh, and number one, Carnage. Kate Winslet barfs on Jodie Foster's eyes. <laughs> oh, that's hot. Awesome. I forgot about right. that. Awesome. I forgot that too. After uh, after eating some bad cobbler, possibly the most embarrassing thing I can imagine happening in such an uncomfortable social situation, it ratchets up the tension between the couples beautifully. Uh, so that's from Nick Carnage. That's a great one, Nick. Ah, oh, it's awesome. And Kate Winslet. Okay, go on. Sorry, go ahead. Kate Winslet. I was going to say, when she makes everything kind of hot, like no matter, because she pees on herself, I think, in, uh, what's the one by Jane Campion? Uh, Holy, Holy Smokes. Holy Smokes. Yeah. Holy Smokes. <laughs> Holy Smokes? <laughs> Wait, Holy Smoke, yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I can't go with you there, Kelly Wanda. I agree with you, she makes a lot of things hot, but I don't, Holy Smoke, there's very little hot about Holy Smoke, I thought. Yeah. Unless you like uh, Harvey Keitel in a red dress and cowboy boots. Is it Holy Smoke or just Smoke? It's holy smoke. Yeah. It smokes about smoking. All right. Uh, so then our final listener submission is Aaron Vaughn. Dear QT3 3x3. Here are my choices for my favorite barfing. Three, Einhorn is a man, Ace Ventura, pet detective. <laughs> the part where Ace Ventura finds out he has had sex with a man and barfs in the toilet. <laughs> then uses the toilet plunger in his mouth to purge his system and barfs him. <laughs> <laughs> Number two, I wish I had had a snack from Bridesmaids. So many instances of barfing in the scene, it's hard to choose one, so I won't. I will however mm-hmm. give a special mention to the woman from Wiener 911 who projectile vomits a wad of barf onto the closed toilet as she sprints into the bathroom. <laughs> Is that Ellie Kemper, Kelly Wand? No, it's uh, the blonde chick. <laughs> who Ellie Kemper makes out with. Yes. So it might as well have been Ellie Kemper because her mouths touch. I think she's making a movie... Where she only vomits and she's the lead. I wish you would make a movie where she only makes out with Ellie Kemper. I was talking about Ellie Kemper, but I agree with what you just said. <laughs> and she, n- number one, I don't know how to say this line, but I'll try. Do your Spanish accent again, Dingus. Oh, he's doing a little audition. I think isn't it just kiki? Isn't it just like that? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, the part where she barfs into a bowl and feeds it to the guy in the bag. The audio in the scene is sickening, but not as much as the dog bowl she filled looks like a soupy cream of that I had earlier today. Runner-ups. So. Thank you, Takashi Miike. <laughs> uh, Aaron Vaughn brings up Kick-Ass 2. Uh, but I'm in 50-50. Okay. Uh, Aaron Vaughn, I'm not going to talk about your runner-ups. But thanks for the podcast. Thank you, Aaron. So what are our runners-up? So Aaron Vaughn may not get his runners-up in, but we can get ours in. Haha. I actually don't have any. Those were great. I'm surprised nobody mentioned The Exorcist, but Kelly Wand, you did take that off the table, I guess. I did? Um, you mentioned it, which is like <laughs> taking it off the table. That's true. No one went for the low-hanging fruit of that skit in The Meaning of Life, that Monty Python movie. Oh, Yeah. Glad to hear that. Uh, that's I, a good one too. I, I have one runner-up, it. and it's a it's a faux vomiting moment, and it's when in um, it's one of my favorite little moments in Raising Arizona, 
when um, when the lone biker of the apocalypse is attacking H.I. McDonough, and he's he's like just H.I. has just knocked him off his bike after he's chasing uh, Ed, and uh, he throws the knife. The lone biker throws the knife into the plank of wood, and H.I. just does this fake like, "Oh, I'm sick. I can't fight." Moment. And I love that moment where he pretends to vomit. Uh, but that's the only one I have. Yeah, that would only apply for three by three instances of fake vomiting or near vomiting. Uh, you're, I think you're right, Tom. Uh, one of the one of the awesome. So I don't know that I necessarily liked it. It wasn't a pleasant experience, but it's certainly memorable. Uh, the the everyone's downward downward spiral at the end of Requiem for a Dream. Uh, there's a sequence where they have I think the camera hitched to, to uh, Jennifer Connelly. And it's that thing where the like it's a steady cam on front of her pointing backwards. I seem to recall, doesn't she lurch out of uh, some den of iniquity and then hurl the side of, in the side of a building? Does I think so. Remember that from Requiem, yeah. And it's the it's got the Clint Mansell. By then, the whole everyone, all the cast are vomiting. So but vomiting is kind of the least of their problems. Yeah, at that right. Point. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, I was just thinking of upstream color. Is there a vomiting in that? I don't think so. She certainly feels awful, but I don't know that she vomits, does she? All right. I don't know. If you get worms taken out of you, that uh, yeah, I don't know if that causes vomiting, Dingus. Right. Then on that date, uh, <laughs> I kind of like Ian Holmes' face in Alien when he vomits that white shit. It's not vomiting. That's just called losing hydraulic fluid. Because well, he's a goddamn robot. He's a goddamn robot. Yeah. Uh, also, I vomited in RL uh, on a plane once as it was landing. And then I heard a kid behind me go, I've never seen him use a bag before. It's interesting. Like, that was his iconic moment. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> close the bag. Oh, close the bag. See? Little Ender's Game First reference. Scott Card really knows. Kelly Wand, what is next week's 3x3? Three three? Next week's 3x3 three three is a very exciting one. I'm very proud to announce. It's three best telekinetic high school teachers. No, JK. It's uh, three best secretaries. Okay. Or dies abruptly. See, you say it, you, you describe it as that, Kelly Wan, but it's instead it's the gears start turning. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. Are you going to uh, take anything off the table? I don't let him dig us. Oh, that's a good point. Him. You're right, Tom. Kelly Wan, uh, our injunction to you now is stop talking. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> or we, we will vomit I think on that's you. That's everyone's injunction. <laughs> Before we start doing the podcast, uh, if you have picks for your favorite secretaries in movies, uh, maybe even an eponymous secretary, a little Maggie Gyllenhaal. Oh, out. damn it, uh, Tom! What? what? Come on! Come Wait on. a minute! I am supposed I, to stop talking. What I did was say the name. I said the name of an actor, and I used the word eponymous. There's no anything, Kelly. I'm as shocked as you are right now. By the way, just anyway, if you have some picks. Uh, send them in to us. We would love to read them on the air. Versus. Also. Uh, send them to 3 by 3 at quarter to 3 dot com. The number 3, the letter X, the number 3 at. And then you have to spell out quarter to 3 dot com. Uh, next week, we will be seeing uh, MacGruber star Will Forte's next movie, Nebraska. Yay! Uh, so uh, see that and join us, and as well as for our 3 by 3 of our, our favorite stuff. Oh, that thing. <laughs> There's I remember people that is. But we all think of it as the next, you know, the next. It's it's another uh, Will Forte vehicle, right? That's that's fair. Bruce Stern, right? Uh, he might be in a supporting role, like a cameo or something. I think. Yeah. Interesting. 
Uh, I am Tom Chick. I've been joined by uh, Christian Milzlatsky. It's Christian Moroski. Uh, I think I said that. And Kelly Wand. I hate you. I'll kill you first. <laughs> Good. And the masters of the universe. Who else were the masters besides him? I am Adam. Prince of Eternia, defender of the secrets of Castle Grayskull. This is Cringer, my fearless friend. Fabulous secret powers were revealed to me the this day I is held Cringer, my magic sword. My secret friend. By the power of Grayskull. became the mighty battle cat and I became He-Man the most powerful man in the universe <laughs> only three others share this secret our friends the sorceress men at arms and Orko together we defend Castle Grayskull from the evil forces of Skeletor <laughs> It's hard to cackle without lips, huh? I really don't see what all the fuss is about.